With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Try Nuvex First Defence Nasal Spray. Now eleven ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. It's Thursday, 17th of March. It's just after 6 o'clock. Great to have you on the airways listening to us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Baz is off to the IPL. We'll hopefully get an update. I haven't heard from him lately, so hopefully have to get a little rundown on how he's going over there and see what's transpiring over in India and when before they... I don't know when they first game is, but anyway, we'll keep, keep you up to that and I'll have a wee look so you can see where that first hit out for the IPL is going to happen. We've got Tony Kemp and Louis Herman what in the house? Woo! So we'll keep you up to date, because today, coming up on the show, <laughs> we've got a four-hour doozy. Four-hour special, because that's what we do on Thursdays. We want to give you it all. Starting us off today, we've got Jess Hotter. She is Freeride uh, free free World's Tour skier and adrenaline junkie, and she is currently leading the Free Ride World Tour competition. She's a 28-year-old, and if you don't know what Free Ride is, well, drop them at the top of this mountain, ski down wherever you want to go, and jump off the biggest cliffs you can see, and that's what it is. So we're going to have a chat to her. She is absolutely crazy. Just hotter. And following that, we're going to talk to Q- Cormac Buchanan. Cormac Buchanan, he's a Southland teenager, and he will contest two championships in racing in 2022 he's just signed for spanish team agr and he also returns to red bull moto gp uh, rookies cup he's only 15 years of age he's a young kid from southland uh doing big things on the racing stage and keeping up with the racing theme we're gonna keep uh we're gonna talk today to chris medlin we've had chris medlin on the show before we're gonna talk a bit of f1 because it's getting closer to the first gp at bahrain 
21st of March that race starts and uh, well I've been watching Drive to Survive and we had um, Will Buxton on last week and how good was he and it's quite cool when you see him on the on the show now and you see him having a wee chat and all the drama that's unfolding you can see all the wags on there having their little say Toto and Christian going ballistic at each other and then last night I watched the race when they're watching Team Haas and well who owns Team Haas? A couple of Russian billionaires. Oh they'll be no good at the moment so Looking forward to having a chat to Chris Medlin about the latest of the F1. And then, like always, Court Kings catch up with Tom Abercrombie. He's back. He's back breaking ankles for the breakers. They just agonizingly went down in a close encounter lately. But we'll have a wee chat with him. And then, ah, our final hour. The leg hour of power 2.0 with Matu Akempi. Oh, how good. How good. <laughs> he's, he's dug into that. He's dug into that black book. Again, Kempi. Again, you've just dug in deep and you've found him. Uncle Pricey. Steve Price, 313 NRL games. 91 for the Warriors. For the Warriors. And he's two-time premiership winner. And he, what do I think when I think Steve Price? Meter eater. Just eats those meters for breakfast. He's a real meter eater, that fella. So looking forward to having a chat to Pricey. And then, well, Louie, have you got that sting ready to play, mate? Can you give us a little... Back in the day, can you give us one? In my day, with Matsua Kempe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the end of the league hour with power. We're going to go back in the day with Matsua Kempe. So, Kempe, it's your time to shine, brother. Last hour's for you. Like always, give us a text on the Temple Bed Post, double eight, double three, anytime, or even give us a call because Matsua and myself would love to hear from you. 0800 150. 8 11. There you go. That is our show for today. Gonna to cross over and say hello to the team, Jacob, uh, Kez, Aroha, Morena, and to the team in the studio. How are you, brothers? Atamanahu, Paratai. Hi, Pai I'm very good, mate. Woke up with a uh, with a fresh head, and I was just <laughs> I started laughing because every time I think about that thing that. Um, that Louis put together. I, I swear, when I first heard it, that it was Kez, But but Louis Louis you know, played me back some footage, and it's definitely me. He reckons I, I get at least one of those out a day, as he say. Mate, we'll see what we we we'll see what we can we we'll see what we can bring back back in my day later on. You know when someone says something like quite often, but they just they just they don't even realise they say it. I just I was just sitting here, yeah. and over the last couple of weeks, I've realised Kimby is busting out. Oh look at my day! We just you do know with the haircut like that. Look at my day when we were growing up in Waitara. Look at my day when Big Red Al Sharrick just it was just there's too many of them. So um, we're gonna be careful with these young fellas, eh? Is he? They don't miss yeah, a beat. Mate, they don't, mate. They don't. <laughs> oh, man. I love that little thing. So well done. Well done. He, um, Kempe's oh, anyway. certain that it wasn't him as well. <laughs> yeah, just certain that it was Kez putting on the voice. But no, as I said, as I said definitely check that out. Good, good, as he had a, had my, um, uh, my social, which is a, which is code word for passive aggressive touch. Uh, semi-final last night down at Cornwall Park and the lads yeah. got the dub 5-4 so we're going to the big dance next Wednesday night. <laughs> we're wow. off to the granny. 
Mate, we won. <laughs> we we won that that that. Um, I think it was over thirty fives. I played in Cornwall Park there when I first got back from back the UK in, in two thousand. Back in my day. Uh, <laughs> 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 I came back. I'd, I'd been coming back, you know, um, throughout my career and just hanging out with a few mates and playing the old touch game. But when I came back to to to, to live, I ended up getting into the over thirty fives down in the touch at Cornwall Park and. And we took yeah. out that title, oh, I reckon maybe five or six years in a row, and then it started getting really hard because the young blokes started hearing about us, and they started to stack the teams, and then it got really mm. aggressive. It got really like young blokes started like mate, our knees by that stage were totally gone, <laughs> <laughs> and and you knew that they stacked the team when they had some bloke that was just jumping around us. We couldn't even like you put your hand out one second. By the time your hand went out, he'd like three feet past you. So yeah, it went from touch to sort of. Shove to grab to <laughs> to get. Um, it's a fatiguing game, mate. Oh. Oh. Touch is very, very fatiguing. You, it's got to have good fitness and put good fitness base about you. Because I've played it a couple times and uh, yeah, I, I went no. Oh, is he? No like you said, the knees. Y- you would be like in your. You must have played it growing up. Like you would have been the the ideal touch player. Like someone like Sean Johnson. You know those mixtapes of Sean Johnson online yeah. where he just that's so. Yeah. yeah you, it's not like you were that dissimilar when you were flying around. Oh, I played, I played, but I didn't. We didn't play like I didn't play serious touch. You know, like when you play touch in the backyard and it's just cruisy and you're just doing scucky long balls and you know like you just you're just trying to razzle dazzle. But when you go to actual tournaments and it's just about smashing the meters out of dummy half doing those little one-off tip runners and trying to get the meters um eaten up and then get down there and you do your little fancy bogeys and out of dummy half and then give it and get the ball back like that's the stuff i didn't really get into so but it's a good game I, I, if i did play i played it all every lunchtime you know at high school remember lunchtime go out in the park play touch for the whole entire lunch break go to class stinking of bo and, yes. and smelly Links Africa. <laughs> Links Africa for days <laughs> and back into the class. So I'm just trying to f- picture, Kempi, let's try and picture what sort of touch player Louie is. Is he a grafter? Is he a grinder? Is he a razzle-dazzle, give me the ball nah, and mate, jam he's, off my right he's, and throw he's, a scucky long ball or what? Nah, mate, he's, he's Gary Freeman, mate. He's all lip. That's what he is. Lit, <laughs> lit up the lip. That's what he is. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Louis can't help himself when he's up against Blake saying, yeah. you know, when they drop balls yeah. and they, you know, he and, and, he, and he and he t- touches them just before they get down the ground and he goes, no, no, no. You thought you were in then. You know, he's one of them blokes. I, I've, I've got better. I used to be terrible. I used to be. I used to be terrible. I was like, you know, when we had Brooke Kretalica on last week, I, I was saying to Kempi, yeah. I think we went to the break. Oh, actually, I said it on here. We. When I was in high school, we were, we had a first fifteen team in, so we were playing in the men's senior competition at, at Southbrook and Rangura in the in the mm. as a first fifteen. Oh, just a, well, I was some of us lads and the, Brooks team, so he was kind of in his prime then as well. And they just hated us because we just were chippy and lippy. And he actually picked me up and <laughs> threw me one day. He flipped me. I remember it really clearly. But um, no, I don't know. I just I, I can't pass very well, especially going going right. God, I got a terrible right hand going right pass on me. But just kind of loiter around. It, it is tough, like when you get to, especially like last night, and they're making you sub in the sub box, and you know people when it kind of slows down and the game slows down, and fourth and fifth touches are really pretty much. Dumping it's mm. a play out of dummy and the guy tries to catch you offside. It, it is it takes the joy out of it a little bit. Like you're, you're right, the sitting yeah. in the backyard whacking around 
Um, that's really what touching New Zealand's all about. They reckon Richie yeah, Mwanga yeah. was a freak. They reckon that he was for yeah. St Andrews. He, him and um, his wife now they and their that that mixed team they were they won nationals and he was just like a a god out there, Daggy. It's like surfing, eh? Yeah. Is he? It's like surfing touch, you know. It's it's for little guys, mate. Little short halfbacks, you know. It's not really made for yeah. big, big lumbering front rowers. And true. That. So, um, you know, it's a, like I I don't really enjoy that type of touch where you're just running one off the one off the ruck and putting the ball between yeah. your legs. Like, there's not a hell of a lot of mm. skill in that. It does bring the. I guess it does bring the people that. You know, really want to play at that level into the game and don't have this only have to catch a football. Um, but when we play touch before they before they changed those roles, the Peter Walters rules, um, it was actually really really cool because because big guys played like I remember playing with Charlie McAllister. You guys know who Charlie McAllister is, Luke's old man. Like yeah. Charlie McAllister, yeah. I watched him down in Inglewood play against John Kerwin when John Kerwin first came onto the scene. And um, it was an invitational side down that Taranaki played. And Charlie was the same. I mean, him and John Kerr would be the same age. And, of course, no one heard about Charlie McAllister. I bet you John Kerr doesn't forget that game. Like, Chaz just dominated the game. And mm-hmm. the thing with him, for a big man, we, when we used to play touch, we used to play in the same touch team because he's from my hometown. So really good mates. And... Um, we had you know me, him, um, Davy Watson, you know, who ended up being a Kiwi all on the same team. You just you just got the ball, mate. There was no dumping. It was like mm. get the ball and just try your best. And that's that's before they changed all the rules. So, you know, games of touch back in those days would pe- people say oh, there's a game of touch. The whole the whole town would come to it. The whole town, mate. Back in the day. Oh, I love you, Kiwi. I love you, mate. You get me up every single day. You bring so, so much good in. It's so good. Hey, Kimby, Kimby, I'll tell you who's a mean touch player, mate. Nui Bartlett. I don't know if you heard of Nui Bartlett. He's from Hawke's Bay. He's Tohu Harris's first cousin. Yeah. From Tamatea there. Because Tohu, I watched Tohu Harris growing up, mate, and he was a freak on the touch fielders too. And then he played a union, and he was mean at that too, and then he just went off on this random-ass tour and started playing for the Melbourne Storm. I was like, wow, look at this kid go. Awesome, awesome story. But his cousin, Nui Bartlett, he uh, actually broke his neck. I don't know if you remember, probably a long time ago, 2006, McLean Park, Hawke's Bay just got relegated to first division, and we played Canterbury in our first game, and uh, Nui Bartlett broke his neck, mate, nearly um, paralysed for for life, but he actually got back to playing again, and... uh, he was the freakish touch player. And when you actually watch touch players that actually understand the game and there's a whole team, both sides are full of stacked and, and talented touch players, it's a great game to watch, man. It's like it's chess. It's an awesome game. It's like chess, yeah, bro. You watch these players just really unravel mm. the defences and when they they go from there to there, they throw these big skucky long balls and... Oh, it's an awesome, <laughs> awesome game to watch. I love it. Nehi Milnaskada. Nehi Milnaskada. He would be so good. Yeah. It, was, it was everyone with feet, eh? It just, it just reminded me again. I'm not going to go back that far, but the first time, <laughs> the first time I ever met, the first time I ever met John Schuster, I got, um, I was yeah. playing, down, I was playing down in Wellington, and I, you know, we had a really good, you know, telling that story about Charlie McKellis and the team, and one of the fathers used to take that team around New Zealand and, and ambush tournaments. <laughs> 
So mm. you know, he they no one knew us, mate. You know, like we like um, Ruotapuki's cousins, the Tangata brothers. You know, and myself and Davey and Charlie McAllister. Like no one knew us, mate. So we'd ambush all these tournaments around New Zealand. They go, oh, there's this tournament up here. There's three thousand dollar prize money. You know, let's jump in a van and go to it. Well, I was in Wellington. I was playing in Wellington. It's the first time I met John Schuster, um, and when me and him ended up becoming really good mates playing in Newcastle as the centres. But it was the first time I met him, and I, re- I remember he w- either he was he had just made the All Blacks, um, or I knew he was going to be an All Black. And I remember running out against him, and it was and the, and yeah, it, we were in the final of this touch t- tournament in Wellington, and it was me versus John Schuster. <laughs> that, that's what it came down to. It was one of you'd make a movie on him if you can get Netflix on it. We'll make a movie out of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As a you can play me. It's called Step and to Louis, Survive. You, you can play yeah. John Schuster. Yeah. Anyway, it was really, really close. The final score was two one. We we got him. We got him two one. And I scored the shoe scored the try, and I scored the two tries. But both tries I scored, shoe touched me before I scored them. <laughs> you grub, gloating about it on the radio all these years later. Shoe actually, they were like, they were in touches. They were like, he, oh, you could feel just like the. Yeah, you know, he was reaching out, but you know, as he can just feel like someone's fingers rubbing across the <laughs> bottom of your shirt. And of course, the, the referee wasn't that good, mate. And I put the try down. And I remember just walking back past him with a smile on my face, and he, and his freshy voice going, oh, "I got you." <laughs> 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 and well, I was I was seventeen then, and we ended up being at Newcastle. I was twenty-one when he came to Newcastle. <laughs> we ended up playing the game, and I remember saying to. I got you both those times. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, you didn't, brother. We won. 2-1. That's gold. Um, oh, that's funny. Who, double eight, double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine, or 0800 the Kennard Tire phone line. Give us a call. Flick us a message. Who's the best touch player you might, you've come across on a, on a Wednesday down at Cornwall Park or Southbrook or wherever you are around yeah. Wellington? Let us know. Who have you kind of at Burnside there? Who have you accidentally faced up against who's the best touch player you've seen or if you just want to give your mates a, a shout out um, come through on the text machine we'd love to hear from you it's a great sport everyone can play it it's um, kind of like social netball though as he, he does get very passive aggressive yeah mate I love it I love it I love it Peter Walters eh? like, obviously he'll go the man the goat, goat the goat of, of New Zealand touch um, I don't know how he's getting on in, in age, but he's still razzle dazzling those fields, mate, and showing the young kids how it is. Um, but mate, it's a good sport. It's a good sport. Who do you reckon? I'll do this text. Who's who's a current rugby or league player that you think could be the beast of a touch player? We've already spoke about Richie Maunga. We already spoke about Nihi Milner Scudder. I don't know if RTS is RTS ever played touch. I wonder if RTS has ever played touch. Oh, he would have. I'm, I'm certain. He plays touch in wow. rugby league, mate. Yeah. People t- <laughs> yeah, they can't touch <laughs> People him. People can't touch him in rugby league. So he'd be a freak on a touch field. Um, oh. Will Jordan? Because, like, that explosive Will, speed off the mark, like out of dummy. Yeah. Your Will could be really good. Um, horrible pass on him, so he'd be just straight eater, meter eater. Um, I'm just joking. He can pass. I reckon um, Munster would be pretty good, mate, because he's one of those players yeah. that jumps around and goes across two or three players really quickly. Oh, mm. I know, Kimpy. I know who could do it. Um, Cody Nikarima, because oh. he's not going to be playing 
for the Warriors this weekend. So <laughs> cut it out, Louis. He's been so hard on the men. He's maybe we could get Cody over for our import him for our final next Wednesday night at Cornwall Park. It's twenty one minutes past six o'clock. He plays touch anyway. Keep those okay. messages coming through Who would be the best touch player If you were to pick one out And who's the best person you've ever seen out there Skipping around The White Ferns go at it today We have got that commentary here We have to talk about that There's so much going on in the world I have dug through the fields for this weekend And I reckon it's a good weekend to have a punt So I'll let you know um, well, we might actually have a chat about Highborn as well in the loveracing.nz slot. There's plenty uh, going on around the world. Izzy's got a confession to make about that. 22 minutes past six here with the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Find Victor in Parker Rabanne Black XS100 mil for only $89.99 at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Mm, yes, you are. 17th of March. Uh, so much going on in the world of sport. Formula One kicking off. We're kind of the adrenaline junkies today. We're talking about uh, free, ski- uh, free skiing, coming off mountains, motorbiking, petrol, Steve Price running it off the back fence. And there's some great texts here coming through about the, the touch we were looking at, Izzy. Uh, Benji would have killed in touch. Shane from Auckland, mm. man, your man Benji would have been unreal. He, he killed it, mate. And fuck a ton. You go watch YouTube, you type in Benji and Benji did kill it, touch. mate. Yeah, bro. He go watch absolutely. it. Is he's dead right. Go on to YouTube and watch Benji play touch. <clears throat> Insane. He was so good, bro. And he does his young Māori boy with curly hair. This is before he took off to the NRL. So, yeah, go watch it, man. If you can, YouTube Benji Marshall. Fakatani uh, touch days. Bang. You'll see some razzle. We also got Seville Reese. I thought Seville would be quite good. Um, I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the dynamics of touch, though. You probably know a little bit more. But dynamics is everyone's pretty much going to have a pass on them. Surely, is that, is that right? Or, or just does um, it have certain players we, like people that eat I actually, meters, I actually people that are the passes. Yeah, yeah. There are positions. There's middles. There's links and there's wings. And I don't know whether when you get to that, mm. that I don't know whether when you get to the high level, everyone has to be interchangeable. But for like the middles of the guys like Benji and SJ and. Um, you know, yeah. you, Daggy, with that f- f- just slick, what do you call a scucky wide ball? Um, <laughs> just <but> ooey gooey. <laughs> the ooey gooey. The ooey gooey. Ooey gooey Louie. The um, ooey goose step. But yeah. I can imagine Sivu just picking it up out of dummy and just putting the foot to the floor and just flying out and then just yeah. doing something dumb like throwing it over the sideline. <laughs> I'm trying to find the position for Sima, Simasoni Tokiaho. Where would he go? <laughs> He's not playing. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. that was that was a random one. That good team, mate. <laughs> that was a random one. <laughs> oh, he, he's a dumper, mate. He's a mate. dumper. Who was it? Somebody on our network was saying he's going to push. Um, oh, it was Joey Wheeler. Yeah, yeah. He's pushing. He's going to push mm, Cody Taylor mm. and Dane Coles. I, <laughs> it breaks me, but I think Joe's completely right. He's he has come he so is. good. He has come so good. He is very very good. And the thing with uh, you know the. Colsey, he gets very, he's injured, quite injured quite a few times with his calves and things like that. When Colsey's fit, very, very good. Cody Taylor um, just needs some game time, probably lacking a bit of game experience at the moment. Um, hopefully he can find his feet. But Samasoni, honestly, at this moment, and how good was he last year on the India Tour when he took his opportunities, he's the first man in that hook of the roll list for me. Anyway, he's, um, he's very, very good, Louis. So uh, I love that. 
I reckon Dane Coles would have fancied himself as a, a touch player. Because remember when Dane Coles was younger and he was just loitering on the wing and everyone's like, who's this hooker that can... He kind of changed the game for hookers, Kempe. He, I, I think Dane Coles is the only hooker in rugby union that would make it as a hooker in rugby league. It's a, mm. a true story. I've watched Dane Coles play and he plays... He's, there's two things that I like about Dane Loves Coles. His league, is he dude. plays a way above his weight... I mean, like, he's ringing wet when he's running, mate. He's playing 10 to 15 Ks above his weight. And the second thing, he's got some skill, mate. I'm seriously, he's got mm. some, some vision and some skill. And I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know for the life of me why an NRL club hasn't had a look at Dane Coles and go, let's pick him up. Let's, have, let's give him a crack. As a, as a, age? Age? Yeah. Would age be a Yeah, but see, hookers, hookers, you, hookers do mature. So, you know, you're going to... You're going to pick up Dane Coles, and he's going to pick it up really quick because mm. he's smart, you know. And they and they're a dime a dozen at the moment in the NRL. Decent hookers, uh, they mm. are. No. Like it's kind of a it's a the age old question which rugby players would translate. But you're right. He do can't you, kick though. Do you know? Yeah, but you know what? He can't he, kick. But you know what he makes <laughs> up for? He can't kick. But you know what he makes up for? He's got he, Dane Coles is the most leaguey rugby union player going around. Yeah, he's just lovely. a he red lines like he he's he's so so prone to just to just play on that fringe doing something so stupid, but that's Loves what you want. The Does he? Loves the Warriors. Yeah, mate. Go look at his Instagram. He's just he got a signed old school uh, Warriors kit just <laughs> from the team, so they love him as well. Um, the DB better one. Um, yeah, he loves it. Bang. We'll have to, maybe we'll get Dane Coles on the proviso talk union and we'll just ask him, is it our year? <laughs> That's the one question. Mate, try and get him to a tournament. Try and get him to a league tournament. Let's do it. Hey, one last text here from Pistol. Thanks, Pistol. Sounds like Kempe's been watching Louis play Aussie rules. Um, he hasn't, but he can probably read between the lines. It's, it's not a pretty watch. It is 28 minutes away from 7 <laughs> o'clock this morning. Love racing. Dotting Zed. We had a debrief yesterday on the punt after this and also I'm going to tip a couple out for the weekend but there's a massive elephant in the room and we're going to get to it after the news with Araha for Kubota together we're shaking and building New Zealand SCNZ 26 away from 7. Just spent that news break. Uh, one ear listening to Araha, lovely news. The other ear watching and eyes watching Benji Marshall win gold for Australia in 2003 in a touch tournament. And he is skinny and he is electric, pinging around left foot, right mm. foot. Oh, yeah. He, never, um, never did like him in yellow. <laughs> no. no. It's just like so wrong. I wonder if that's his uh, most embarrassing... He tells a story. Have you not heard that story? <laughs> nah. No. Well, back in my day, he tells a story. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's actually standing across. He made when he when he went. He made the junior Kiwis, which is the Australian schoolboys, and they played New Zealand. And he's standing in the Australian jersey, watching the boys do the haka, and they're all looking at him because they all know him from the touch. So they all played against them down down at Fakatani in the touch tournaments. And they're all looking at him, and he reckons he's about to cry, mate, going, I'm actually in the wrong team. And that was how we got all the boys to change, because he tells that story. Matua Kempe, once again, back in my day, delivers. Just a little nugget of gold. Love racing, .nz, your home for everything, Dang. thoroughbred racing. Yesterday, race four at Matamata, 
Oh, man, there was a bet. And it just looked like a bet. 3.8, I thought it was generous when I saw it. She's been running real good races to Sav Bill Mare, Highborn. McNabb was on, barrier one. He just had to get her out of the gates and not get too far off them. And he executed a very patient, very, very patient ride. I put $50 bonus bet on Highborn, 140 return. Cheers, Louis Charlie. Charlie, go the lads. Good to get you paid. Kempi, you saw it. Good ride. Very, very patient ride. Good ride. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't expect too many of our jockeys to uh, in New Zealand to be riding it like that and get it across the line. But I'm not really worried about the highborn one. You know, it was a, it was the lay of the day. We'd done the homework. We'd put it out there. We'd put the money on it. There must something else must have happened. Why did it win? Well, it was a. The whole point of it was we were exercising demons. It was a, it was a, it was a kind of a spiritual exercise to make sure that Izzy could safely back either, well, self obsession, Seamus, anything the rest of the lads want to back this weekend. So we just thought we'd get Izzy on a winner, and then we could move on with our lives. Mm. So you got on um, then, as did you? Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> <laughs> Look, boys, you, you really – I feel like Cody Nicarima here. You're denting my <laughs> confidence right now. Look, look, this whole the whole week I've been questioning my punting, my punting ability. And when you start second-guessing yourself, you start falling away, you start losing confidence. And that's what's happened for me. So, no, I didn't punt Highborn, and obviously Highborn's won. So it's really cementing those comments from you boys saying whenever I go on it, it loses. So that's why I, I just try to see if it worked, and it worked. And when you boys texted the message through, I was like, oh, no, I wish that thing lost. can we ask the... There's the, always one bloke that wants everyone else to lose. Can, they we, ask, can we ask the punters what they think, Louis? Can we get some, some punters on the text machine? What, what do you reckon about Izzy backing anything we talk about this week? Are you, are you happy for Izzy to jump on or not? Just let us know. <laughs> I just... I genuinely think we just need a sure thing to get just that's what we were trying to do. Just break the back of this and move on. Was it, well, Zaki's running again this week. Nothing's a sure thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing's a sure thing when I back Animo at a dollar sixty and it comes second. Like what do, what do you want me to do? I can't. Well that's a sure bet. Well, I mean, there are Oh, look, I don't know. Target race, Louie, target race. There's that, but there's also there's also a little, you know, when you go to the tab.co.nz, it, there's this, so it says W-I-N, and then to the right of it, it says P-L-A-C-E. <laughs> and you can actually place bet to get profit. You don't have to always back the nose. Smack, never on the, always on the nose, never on the tail. It's like the catch cry of... Mate. My dad said every single time, come in second, mate, you're the first loser. You come third, you're the second loser. you got to come first if you want to win, mate. I'm a winner. <laughs> I go on the nose all day. It's programmed <laughs> into your brain from all those, all those hidings and BYC your brothers gave yeah. you. <laughs> hey, what about, what about, um? I've never had a good day, though. I'm having a wee look at the meetings. Never yes. had a good day. And I'll tell you who else is riding very well. Taiki. Little Taiki Yamagita. Yep. He is so good. 
He's, he's riding with some form at the moment. I thought well, it was a McNabb and, and Tyke day. Well, you know, that yeah. actually that really does matter, is he? Because the um, jockey ranks are struck down with COVID at the moment. Mm. Mickey G's got a great article in the Herald about this. So there's a, a few of the mm. jockeys are out, which means that this weekend they've had to split the meetings up. So New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing are not racing at Trentham and Tauranga on both Saturday because they need the mm. jockey depth to be at the Tauranga meeting on the Sunday. So we've got another big weekend of racing. And I've got a bet. Very quickly, because I, I need to tell you now, because the odds might go. Shall I take it? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? All right? That is the bet. Race number seven at Trentham on Saturday. Can I get an amen? Ran fourth behind Levante, Rockin' Horse, Mascarpone, and the Telegraph. What is the common denominator between those horses? They all win and won a group one in their next start. They all win and won a group one, including the new market handicap, the Otaki Wait for Age mile there, uh, and the BCD sprint. So these these horses, that, that world record time we've been talking about, that might actually be really real. Now, this is an open handicap race, which means she drops weight, and she's only got 53 kgs on her back. Now, I've backed Can I Get an Amen a lot, and she's been very, very frustrating. She's probably not going to run up to that same standard again because that could have been the race of her life. But you're getting $4.50, $1.90, which is each way all day, every day of the week, at 53 kgs on her back from a good barrier at the scene of the crime where she ran fourth behind Levante Rockin' Horse and Mascarpone in the Telegraph. She did it hard, no cover that day. Race seven, each way all day. Can I get an amen? I could not implore you enough. This just makes sense. It almost makes too much sense that I'm starting to doubt myself. So before I do that, we might just put a wrap on that one. But that's my bet, Izzy. So you can have mm. that and you can back it. Uh, I like that. I like that. But I'm going <laughs> to you know what? I'm gonna help you here and I'll go somewhere else, eh? So you can get your win. Oh, racing, eh? What a lovely game it is. Love oh, racing. Look at this text. Look at this text from Mike before we get off, really. When Izzy says Espiano's top five horses and then can have a five-league multi relying on it as its last leg and gets boomed. Shot, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not the one that I'm not the one that clicks uh, confirm. Can I put that multi in, mate? You're the one picking it. You're the one pushing the, putting the dollar signs in there. But I was the same with you, Mikey. Honestly, Espiona, uh, when it lost, I think it was uh, Forbidden Love, when uh, a couple of weeks ago I had it in my third leg, I had uh, another horse. Uh, I had So You See, leg one, and then I had a very elegant leg two, and I had Espiona with leg three for some big money, and it lost, came second. I was ripped. Alan Sharrock's going to have a big mm-hmm. weekend this weekend, Kimpy. We can talk about that later in the show. We've got to head off here, but we'll, we'll because you're you're not going to be here tomorrow. Um, we'll we'll get your oil there before you shoot off. It is eighteen minutes away from seven. You want a bonus bet so you can play along? And um, can I get an amen? Seriously, <laughs> if you want to have a crack at it, send us a message. And no, don't send us a message. Give us a call. Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. The kid outside the phone line because it's Quizzy Dag time at seventeen and a half away from seven. Give us a call right now. Take on the Quizmaster. Quizzy Dag. A quiz for the ages to prove yourself. The quiz master, the is master, stay with me. Or oh, this might be an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if you think you got what it takes, give us a call on 0800 150 811. <laughs>
Yes, that's right. Time to get someone paid. $50 TAB bonus bet voucher. We'll wrap straight into it. Damon from Palmy, you're opening the bat, mate. Morning. Morning. How are you? Very, very good, Damon. It's your time to shine, brother. We'll wrap into it. Who sadly knocked out my Manchester United in the Champions League round of 16 yesterday? Oh, jeepers. Um, am I allowed oh. to phone a friend today? Oh. Of course Three. you can. You can phone a friend any time you like. And this is probably the hardest clue. But um, they definitely one of the, I think they are the best Spanish team going around. Ooh. <laughs> is it, is it Real Madrid? Oh, no. very close, very close. <laughs> Sorry. They definitely are, no. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, David, brother. We're going to go to Mark. Morning, Mark. Morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, Marky. Who knocked out my man you out yesterday at the Champions League, brother? Uh, Unlucky, Damon. You got half of it right. Yeah. <laughs> nice, brother. Question number two. Who will Liam Lawson drive for in his first F1 weekend practice appearance this season? Five. Uh, Alpha Tori. Good work. Sharp, yes. Marky. Sharp. Is. Great work, Marky. He's Big on. Good to survive, fan, lad. That's good, eh? Yeah, I love it. Oh, I've been watching it. I can't, I can't stop. Anyway, question number three. England scored their first win of the Cricket World Cup yesterday. Who did they beat? Convincingly. Yeah, India. Get Ooh. it. Here we go. Question number four. Marky, which Wellington Firebirds player has been called up to the Black Caps to become the fourth player from his family to represent New Zealand? Uh, it's Bracewell, and I just don't know his first name. Um, uh, da, da, da. Michael Bracewell? Yeah. Rick Bracewell? Good yeah. man. Michael on fire. Bracewell, you're on Ooh. fire. On fire. Here we go. Oh, he'll get this one then. No phone a friend what? on the last Which? clue. None the last no. question. Oh, come on. Come on, Louis. Don't be like that come to on, the Louis. punters, mate. Yeah, you grumpy, grumpy bugger. Here we go. Question number five. Which sport... Did Graham McRae represent New Zealand in? Um, Five. Four. Phone a friend. <laughs> Two. Did he say? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it? Phone a friend. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a sport. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Just think of the surname. Just think of Two. the surname. One. Oh, motorsport. Racing. Let's go drilling. Let's go drilling. Let's go drilling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look at Kiz. Look at Kiz, mate. Kiz is upside down. <laughs> oh, Mark, it's you encouraged that. That is a great clue, and I'm surprised you didn't pick up on the McCray little little clue there. Marky? No, yeah, well, yeah. No, not until Kibby said thanks, Kibby. <laughs> That's all right, mate. I know that wasn't phone a friend. That was just like, you know, it's McRae. <laughs> <laughs> this quiz is a raw. And uh, to, yeah. to, tomorrow, when it's Metaverse Mitch uh, McLennigan and myself, we're going to turn the heat up and 
I don't care if we have to stay till 11 o'clock. I, I, I don't just, care if we have to stay until do five hours on here. There's no phone of friends until we get the quiz done. And one tip, just ask Izzy what he's backing on the weekend before you spend that 50. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh, I'll I'm tell you now. I'm on a boys trip this weekend. I'll so tell I'm you now. Go for a, uh, I'm back a in Seamus. <laughs> oh, I'm back in Seamus all the way. Think of the children. Uh, all right. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Izzy. Thank you, Kimpy. Uh, Seamus, that is your punishment. That's what you get. <laughs> that is what you get. Uh, seven away from seven. Jess Hotter coming up after seven o'clock. Plenty going on around the world this morning. Uh, I did notice yesterday that one of Kimpy's good mates, Gus Gold, had an interesting thought on the next immortal. Might chat a little bit about that after this. SCNZ, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Victor and Parker Rabanne Black XS 100 mil for only eighty nine ninety nine no. at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. <laughs> SCNZ. Kempi's trying to get out of the studio before we've asked him the most important question of the morning, which is, is Gus Gould serious all of the oh. time? Gould. Seriously, we ask him that question. Well, because he said that Freddie Fittler should be the next immortal. Well, Freddie Fittler's his son. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, have you heard these two talk about each other? Honestly, it's like they they wake up in the morning, they call each other and say, "You're beautiful today." I, I know you just jumped out of bed. You're looking so beautiful, and have a good day, son. And he goes, "Thanks, Dad." And then you know, I'm I'm on the radio tonight, today, and the TV tonight. What do you think about being an immortal, Freddie? Oh, thanks, Dad. I would love to be an immortal. You know what I mean? It's that type of conversation. <laughs> so, Kempi, 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 Kempi. Kempi, listen, listen. You're so good. Kempi, that aside, credentials, credentials, do they match an immortal for Brady, uh, Brett Fittler? Brad Fittler, sorry. Uh, his criteria matches an immortal, but they're, mate. So does Mark Graham. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what is the obsession? I said to Louis last night when he sent it to me, I said, mate, Dracula's breeding an Aussie. They're breeding immortals. What about, when is he coming to New Zealand? Is that the name of the stallion? <laughs> Let's call him Dracula. Petrol station? Petrol station. No, no, that's going to be the name. I'm, I'm going to talk to Alan on the weekend and see if I can name one. Petrol station. Kimpy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you're so good, Kempi. We're going to come back to that, Kempi. I know what you mean. Mark Graham, Brad Fittler. Wow, there could be endless opportunities for someone anyway. Coming up, we're going to have a little chat to Jess Hotter, but right now I'm craving a McCafe about now. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Tamaria, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy and for breakfast on SCNZ, Thursday the 17th of March. It's just after 7 o'clock. Coming up in this next hour, we're going to talk to Jess Hodder. She is a free ride world tour skier and she is leading the free world tour competition. And if you don't understand that sport, it is drop them at the top 
see where they're going, and wow, how good. Just hit down to the bottom. Woohoo! That's in a way. Anyway, we're going to have a chat to her shortly, and then Cormac Buchanan is a Southland teenager, and he'll contest two championships in 2022. He's just signed for Spanish team AGR, and he'll also return for Red Bull MotoGP. Right, so I'm going to read this text out because he's got my back, is he? I had a rough weekend too, brother. Slipper Island, race one this weekend, Trentham. Slipper Island into Seamus, you reckon, eh? Nice. I'll follow you in there, mate. <laughs> you leave Seamus alone, as you? you just leave it alone. <laughs> so, I know, Kevy. I know. Now, we've got a big day for you. Big to big show. We've got another three hours. It is a four-hour show for you on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We've got Tom Abercrombie as well coming up. And we're going to talk to Steve Price. We're going to look forward to having a wee chat to him. But honestly, before we head off to Jess and have a wee catch up with Jess Kempe, I know we talked about Brad Fittler and, and, and the Immortals. It is a conversation that is had very, very often. Um, you know, like, could it, like, put put the differences aside with Gus Gould and, and Bradley Fittler, and I know you've, you're very passionate about Mark Graham, um, being an immortal, and I don't really have the credentials to understand why you do. Why isn't Mark Graham being considered? Uh, isn't hasn't been considered? Uh, to be honest, I don't I don't know the reason why. I can only speculate that it's an Australian um, opportunity, really, because they they never ever mention mm. Kiwis inside that, and and the selection of it is is obviously doesn't have someone with a strong. Uh, Kiwi influence over over who should actually be considered. Like, if you're considering immortals at the moment, you, you, in the in the the next immortal races, Darren Lockyer, Cam Smith, Billy Slater, yeah. Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, uh, Brad Fittler. You know what I mean? You can you can throw in a number of Australians, but also in that mix should be Benji Marshall, Stacey Jones, Ruben Wickie, and Mark Graham. Mm. And they should be yeah. they should not just on their football cred, um, credentials, but also on what they've done for the game, like. Benji's a Benji's an immortal, not for what he's done on the football field, but for for me, for what he's done off the football field. Now he's convinced yeah, he's convinced hard. every kid in New Zealand who has seen Benji play to play for New Zealand. You know what I mean? And that's mm. such a hard thing to do. Um, Ruben Wiki, like no one's got no one's won as much. Te- he's fifty Test caps. You know, mm. captain his country. He, he flogged Australia in some of those games. Like in one of the finals, it was like 20, 20 nil. You know what I mean? So, um, won premierships at Canberra. It, you know the the criteria. A lot of it is around origin. A lot of it is around Australia. I, I think the same has to be said about New Zealand and, and the influence that the the Kiwis have had on the game. When 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 we started in the in the ARL, there was you know a percentage, 1% to 2% of Kiwis playing in it. These days we're 50% of the competition, yet we're not getting 50% of the mm. the awards. So I think yeah. if, they, if they're going to have that conversation around Immortals, at least put Kiwis in it. Uh, that's what I'm... Yeah, I, I, was, I had to think when, when that uh, message comes through on the WhatsApp, and I was trying to think, why haven't we as Kiwis had anyone been coming close to being Immortal? Like I think of Stacey Jones, someone that... I thought, when I watched league, someone hit drew me to the TV. That's the reason why I watched the, the game of league and why I supported the Warriors because Stacey Jones for me was one of the greatest of all time for the for the Warriors outfit and in league. Um, but then I'm trying to think why aren't we being recognised? Is it because I'm reading the a bit of a backdrop here? It says 
An immortal is the greatest honour a player can receive, and it is widely considered that to earn the accolade he needs to have changed the game or had an Im- impact beyond his career. And someone like Stacey feel like he's done that, but he hasn't won an NRL title. Do you think that, does it go back to winning the title? Is that a premiership, is that a big part of of, of mm. immortalisation? I, th- I think that's part of their criteria. You know, I think that's part of their criteria mm. is winning a an NRL title. But if that holds Stacey Jones out from being immortal, you know, we we down here in New Zealand know he's an immortal. When, you talk, when you're talking rugby league, mm. especially when you're talking the Warriors in New Zealand, you're talking yeah. Stacey Jones. Like, you know, they're still yeah. running that the, that try he scored in the 2002 Grand Final as one of the greatest mm. Grand Final tries ever scored. You know, so he mm. didn't win a title, but he did change the game for Kiwis. You know, that's to say, Benji did change the game for Kiwis. When I was growing up, there was no other word on your lips other than Mark Graham, who was our Kiwi captain. So, mm. you know, Ruben, Ruben's the same. Like, Ruben's still giving back to the game. You know, it's for me, if you're an immortal... You know, the, well, the, the the problem that I see is that we're actually not even at the front door in the conversation, whereas we'd like to be through the front door, sitting at the table and in the discussion, then 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 talk about the impact. But if you don't have someone who can talk to the, to the impact that those guys have had on our game in New Zealand, because it is a national rugby league, you know what I mean? Mm. So, it's, so it's, it is played in our country. We do play in their competitions. Um, and we and arguably we do have a number of Kiwis playing Origin in for Australia now, so um, I it's not I don't think it's going to be around for too long, is it? Before they actually do that, they do bring in that consideration. What about the panel, mate? So I'm looking at I'm just having a wee dive into it now. Twelve members consist. The panel consists of twelve members. So where do the members come from that are actually selecting this? Because that's that's the thing that always, you know, when they, when there's the MV, uh, MVPs or things like that, like it's it's. It's the decision being made by twelve individuals, and some of them will either like you, some of them won't even like you. So that that's got to have a big part to it. But how do they pick these members? Do you, do you know anything about that selection panel that consists of, of picking the? Picking no, the look, I, I, man, I don't, I don't know how they they come up with the panel members. The, the panel members are always a contentious one, aren't they? Like in any any mm. um, selection process, you know, we talk about the Hellbergs, for instance. Here in New Zealand, you know, and that's mm. copping yeah, it. That's Left, I mean, right, yeah. centre, you know, like you got people, some people on there that you go, how do you actually get a say, and mm. what what this prestigious award and how is how the criteria sits with it? And I've talked to a few people on that Hellbergs, um panel, and basically some of the conversations that they've had with me is that well they never hit the criteria, you know, and you're like, mm. man, do you actually know anything about sport? You know, like mm. it's it's not that black and white. There should be, you mm. know, there's, there's awards for. It's like when the the All Whites won the Hellbergs. You know what I mean? They they never won a game at the World Cup. They drew games, and there's lots of arguments around. You know that they did play well, but that year the Kiwis won the World Cup. But it was a rugby league, and they because they weren't recognised as every country in the world was playing rugby league, they didn't get it. Like. There should be, I guess, when you're putting these panels together, some flexibility around people that actually who know a bit more than what maybe a, a journalist, for instance, who's sitting on that panel. And I bet you there's a couple of them on that panel that you're looking at. Mm. I can't see the names of the panel, mate, but it makes sense because, yeah, sometimes decisions and, and understanding, it's particularly at the Hellbergs, it's one of those things. We've got so many athletes. Like, question for you, Kempi. 
before we shed off, we're just having trouble trying to get a hold of Jess Hodder. She's she can't uh, make the line. I've got a text message as well here for you to read. But how do you think the selection process for the Immortals, because there has to be a bit of credibility held to it. It is a prestigious award, so we can't shy away from that. But how do you feel a fair and, and justice kind of Immortal selection should be held? Well, the first, the first thing I would um, say that it has to be inclusive. So anyone that's played the game, um, including Kiwis, uh, um, you know, the, and you, you look. You have to say that Adrian Morley, who played for played for the um, Great Britain team, has to run close to being an immortal. You know, he won he won competitions in Australia. He you know represented his country over fifty caps um, and and just changed the face of the game up in England. I think the first like that criteria has to be an inclusive approach. If you've played in that competition, mm. you should be included in the thinking. It just seems that the only immortals uh, that are have, well, it's a fact. The only immortals that have been named are all wearing Australian jerseys. Now mm. they've been a great team in Australia, but you know we had L seventy one Kiwi team couldn't couldn't be beat. You know what I mean? Mm. They, they and and the English side they went through a number of years where the Aussies couldn't beat them too. So they're sort of saying if you've worn an Australian jersey, jersey you are the best. But then that question mm. also comes in like. Today, like who's who's you know you're talk, talking Mel Meninga talking about picking um, Luai from Penrith in the Australian side. No, like he's got a he's got a Kiwi mum and a Samoan Samoan dad. I think it is. So mm. you know it's it's has to be inclusive if you're playing in the competition. And then the second part of it, I think really you need you need to set up a panel that can cover off the importance and the the reasoning why they are an immortal in that country. Do you think Phil Gould can sit down here and, and say to us, you know, um, honestly, why this why this country f- had had named Mark Graham the Player of the Century? See, that's our immortal. New Zealand named Mark yeah. Graham the Player of the Century. But do you think they can talk to that and the reason why he changed it? Why he changed the face of the the sport for us in this country? So yeah, if we're not in the, that's that's my that's my argument, mate. If we're not in the picture. Then Brad Fittler's name's going to come up. So is, you know all the boys that will Aussie Jews is going to come up all the time. Then I get blokes like me saying, "When are we actually going to be in the in the in the reckoning? When are Reuben, St- you know, because at the moment it's Reuben, Stacey, Benji, or Mark Graham. You know, everyone will come up with the same four. Mm. Um, but they should, you know, Benji and Brad Fittler. Well, Benji had just a, just a greater career as Brad Fittler did, if not better. Yeah, man. Hard. Mm. Hundred percent. I love it. I love getting you going, Kempi. It's very, very passionate. It's very, very insightful, and it really makes sense, mate. And for me, Benji, Benji was the main reason I support West Tigers. They are my favourite team in the NRL. They're doing it pretty tough, but he is the reason why I went over and thought, "Wow, who is this kid? I'm going to support the uh, the West Tigers playing for them, especially when they won that GF." And he did that back pass, mate. I wanted to be Benji. I was running around the backyard pretending to be Benji, grew my hair long and had little curly little locks because I wanted to be Benji. Same with the Bulldogs, mate, when Sonny Bill Williams was smashing people in half and doing offloads. That is the reason, and that is a big criteria of why someone should be sitted because you talk about it off the field is a big, big part, as most important as what they do on the field as well. Mate, I, I, I stood up in an AGM oh, about four or five years ago and I said to the New Zealand Rugby League that they should, you know, when Benji was going through that really hard time with the Blues, 
I said, you know, you guys need to be really proactive. This guy's actually a legend of league, and that's what we, we mm. it's called legends of league in the in the uh, national body's office. You know, we've got these big pictures of people. You know, most of them have passed on now. Um, who are called legends of the league. I said, you guys need to recognise Benji Marshall and what he's done for the game in this country. Like, he's changed mm. the game for us in this country in so many different ways. And don't wait till mm. the guy's 80 or 90 before you recognise him as a legend of the league. He's a legend right now. And they still mm. can't do it. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. The problem with people are they they just... They think about it after the fact. Whereas we, we actually mm. have... These these people um, like Benji that yeah. should be recognised right now. They should be celebrated. Yeah, love it, mate. I absolutely agree with you. Totally, hundred percent agree with you there, Kempi. Give us a text double eight double three here or, or in New Zealand or Australian. Who do you think should be the next immortal and why? Give us a text on the text machine double eight double three Tempo Bedpost text machine. Who do you think should be the next immortal and why? And we'll read those to Uncle Kempi Matua. And we'll get him going because he's very, very passionate. We're just struggling to get a hold of Jess Hotter, but that's okay. We've fixed it. We've talked a bit of league, and wow, it's passionate as always talking to you, Matua. So love that from you, brother. We're going to go away for a wee little break, and we'll come back very, very shortly because Louie has the wee question from the other sport, the other side. We're going to talk advantage as advantage over. With Louie. Back shortly. You listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. My new Vicks First Defence Nasal Spray. Now eleven ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. 23 minutes past 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, the league is loving it. Tawara Nico Kempi. Rob did the Clive Churchill medal in 99. Dragged the storm back to Back in that contest too, with pure heart and aggressive, mm-hmm. the up the T bone. That's Brett from Huntley. He's he's a good T bone man. And um, Brett, I know you love your union as well. So we'll park the league just for the second because we got the power hour of league up after nine o'clock this morning. Yes, get your timesheets out, boys. We're invoicing for an extra hour this morning. Um, union, <laughs> Super Rugby. I have questions and I don't have answers. So you come, I've come mm. to the Church of Daggy. I've pulled up down the long driveway and I'm pulled up outside the water fountain in a hoker and I've jumped out and walking towards the pool house ready to knock on the door. I'll, I don't know what you want from me, Izzy, but I've got questions and I need answers and they all surround the whistle and I the advantage you. rule. I saw you talking Nigel Yeldon on uh, Twitter. I know exactly where this is going. Let's get into it, mate. What do you got? I'm just concerned. You know, like, I've been concerned about rugby for a long time. I think from governance to, like, the the actual men on the tools, well, and the women on the tools as well with the whistle, there are so many fundamental Mm. issues about how the game is interpreted because the rule book is written in such a convoluted... It honestly is like the Bible. It's up to how you want to interpret it and how it spiritually touches you personally to these referees. They get left with so mm. much, so much to interpret and make a call on. And one of the biggest pet peeves for me at the moment where it really is exemplified is the advantage rule. Because yeah. some games, a penalty advantage is 40 metres in about eight phases. Some games, mm. it's really maybe two minutes. They only go 10 metres. 
Then there's the knock-on advantage where I watched a guy in the Blues-Highlanders game in the weekend kick the ball. It was Scott Gregory. He kicked the ball straight down the field. The Blues ran it back to them, and I'm pretty sure they scored off that play. And Marshy's losing his mind saying, how's that an advantage? He's just kicked it away and hacked it straight at them. Just because it's a knock-on, is the intent enough? Is the intent of putting ball to foot enough? And I just feel like the inconsistency is going crazy, and I don't blame the referees. I really don't, because if you look at the if you look at what the rule book reads, and I'll pull it up and get it after, I'll, I'll bring it up after this. Is he? Um, it, it really is. They've got nowhere to turn, and I don't really know what they're meant to do as a player, and now as a former player. Can you see how frustrating this is for punters that just want to understand what's going on in the game? Yeah, hundred percent. It's one of those ones that I know. When you plan, you know you're always looking for advantage, particularly if you if you knock it on or, or, or something happens out there. You you can't see out there. But when I've been able to sit back and 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 watch the game, and speaking to the refs, their whole philosophy is we're trying to speed the game up. We're trying to keep the game as open and as flowing as possible to to attract more pundits at home and to to, to make it a more enjoyable to view. And the worst thing about it is when there's a knock on, and then the opposition gets it and they go forty. You know, I'm just over exaggerating. Forty phases, but they don't go, they don't gain any gain line, so they're only making like five meters, ten meters, and then the ref goes along, and then he blows it back, and you're like, Shit, "What's happened here? Have we missed something?" And he goes back to forty phases ago, and goes back to knock on because the advantage, the team hasn't gained any sort of advantage. My whole thing is, if someone knocks it on, or someone has a little uh, makes a mistake, and, and the opposition plays with the ball, and they are using the ball for at least two or three phases. And they've made advantage. They obviously haven't gained any gain line, but they've actually given good intent to actually use the ball and play on and keep the ball as open and flowing as possible. Then that, for me, is advantage over. Keep the ball playing and keep playing. Um, look, honestly, for that one, that one, something like that, I think common sense has got to come into it too as well. And I think the, we're losing refs because refs are so struck to these law books and they are so ref to the T right to the finer details that they actually lose sight of actual just normal common sense and just trying to understand why this has happened. And I think that's the biggest um, mistake that they're making at the moment, Louis. Bang on, Izzy. Um, Kempi, stay with me. I'm not about to speak in tongues. Okay? So look look at me and stay with me. I need you here. I need yeah, you, you, I need to, you, you need to bring me back. Cause okay, here we go. Yeah, I'd An be advantage. Maybe tactical. The non-offending team is free to play the ball as they wish. B, maybe territorial. Play the, move, the play has moved towards the offending team's deep ball line. Maybe a combination of tactical and territorial. Must be clear and real. A mere opportunity to gain an advantage is not sufficient. Yeah. Do I pull that one out? Much. If I'm the captain of the Blues, I can pull that one out and say, well... Mate, it was only, it, it, <laughs> it was only a mere opportunity to gain an advantage. It wasn't sufficient. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... I got, look, I get your point. I get your point. <laughs> my, my, look, my personal belief is I just think that, you know, it's become a, a um, position for referees to, like, get a lot of gel, put some gel on and oh, look good, pull the, the socks referees. up and... <laughs> And they become the focus of the game, and <laughs> they actually the they actually think that they're running the game, mate. I, I don't even think we need referees these days. Why don't you just let the boys play football? <laughs> it's not the refs. It's not the refs, and that's not Look, the point. Honestly, who makes who the, who blows the whistle? That the, they are petrified. They don't have a choice. They are just doing what they. This is they this get, is a, answer the question. From above. Who who blows the whistle? I don't know. Some, they, they, it's them. It's them. Yeah, it's the refs. But. 
Kempi, the point is, if you read this, if a team gains an advantage following an infringement of the opponents, the referee, blah bloody bloody blah they have got so much jumble in their head that they are trying to... Do you know what? Here's what I propose, because I, you, you can't gripe if you can't propose something. We need a hard and fast rule about how much advantage actually is. And if that's 10 metres, 15 mm. metres, 20 metres for a penalty advantage or the equation mm. of this uh, phases, so you can either go 25 mm. metres forward or seven phases. Or for a knock-on advantage, yep. it's three passes or five metres forward. And then mm-hmm. you need to actually put it set in stone. We need to tell the punters what they're looking for because at the moment when I'm sitting home and I didn't play Super Rugby and I haven't refed at a high level, but I've got every right to enjoy the game just as much as people that have. But I can't because I don't understand. And, yep. this, is, and this is where Super Rugby is just... And, and it's rugby in general, and this is what Nigel and me were talking about. The rule book has become... It's so hard to follow up with, and I want to love it, and I want to. I want to feel like I'm invested, is he? But I'm battling. Mm. Look, Mate, I, I, oh, I hear, I hear. Go, go, Kim. Yeah, look, I, I, look. I think with the rule, with that advantage rule, I think advantage rule. You know, say you say the ball gets knocked on, and you pick the ball up, and you go into a, a ruck, then it's it, just call scrum, reset it, get rid of the advantage rule. You know what I mean? If, if yeah, all that. If it's yeah. just straight away. An advantage rule should be advantage, and as soon as it stops, it's over. But what happens mm. with referees in rugby, and I've watched Advantage go for like three minutes, and it's like, yeah, no, no I'm going to run back yeah. and take, give that penalty 50 metres back yeah. there where it first started. That's not, a, that's not playing Advantage. That's just, mate, the, game's, the game's been going, you're wasting three minutes of our time. It's become like it. It's become the ultimate weapon for an attacking team to have a penalty advantage in, their, in the other team's half. It's like you've got, any, you've got the, the ultimate trump card, is he? I'll tell you one thing, Kempe. We do not want more scrums in the game because they are soaking up about five minutes of scrum at oh, the moment. 100%. And that is the one thing that they're trying to get out of the game right now. Their whole philosophy before the season was speed up the game. And at the moment, they haven't really stuck to their word. Like the scrums have been quite poor. They are trying to speed them up there. But the Varnish one, Louis, I know it's a big, really contentious uh, topic, topic because what is advantage? Who are you advantaging here? Like you... <laughs> My whole philosophy, I said it before. Not me. My whole philosophy, if you, can, if you knock the ball on, yep, you've got two phases to, to make a decision. If you go past those two or three phases and you're playing rugby, just let it go. Move on. Why don't we just play touch? 29 and a half or <laughs> 28 and a half away from 8 o'clock this morning. Double eight, double three, the temper bed post text machine. What do you think? Mark, you'll send a message. We'll get to that shortly. Give us a call, 0800 150 811. If you understand this, please, I implore you, give me a call. Talk me through this one. Hold my hand. Kempi, look at me. Look at me, Kempi. Mate, you lost me, mate. <laughs> you lost me. As soon as you started on referees ruling rugby, <laughs> I was like, I started thinking, I started thinking about breakfast. Like, mm, yeah, what am I having later? Stay with us, Kimpy. It is 28 away from 8 o'clock. It's Araha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. SCNZ, we are 26 minutes away from 8 o'clock this morning. A couple of good messages on advantages in rugby union. Please help us out. Give us a call 0800 150 811, the Kennard's higher phone line. Around the world, well, there's some live sport going on, and Joe Root has been playing 
superbly this morning over in the Caribbean. He is going really well. Uh, it's slow, slow hard work. Gia looks beautiful over there. They are about 130-odd for two. Uh, after losing an early wicket, Zach Crawley went, and Joe Root has rebuilt. Now Dan Lawrence is in, and they've got a partnership of 52 from 72, and they're plugging it away nicely. There was the English woman yesterday that got their first win in the Women's Cricket World Cup. They were super as they uh, dominated India with the ball and saw it out today. The White Ferns will look to inflict South Africa's first World Cup loss. We know what the White Ferns need to do. You'll hear it here on SENZ, our commentary team primed and ready to take you through the day. They need a win. Win and you're in. It's that simple. Or it's that complicated. There's lots that goes into it, but I know they'll be trying to strip it back. Amy Satterthwaite yesterday was awesome. If you haven't heard Amy Satterthwaite yet and uh, you want to get a little bit excited for the game today, go back to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on podcasts and, and have a listen to Amy Satterthwaite after 8am yesterday. She was fantastic. They're going to take them to the graveyard, Kempi. That's it. They need to take them to the graveyard. She said she's going to take it back to the senior leadership group and talk about that theme. So let's hope that they bury them today and, and get that one. And uh, look, friend of the show, Novak Djokovic. He's free to play at the French Open after COVID restrictions are eased. So... Uh, he's still unvaccinated. He's not an anti-vaxxer, though. Remember that. Um, world number two now, but he's going to play in France. So congratulations to Novak. Good on you, champion. We're going to talk a lot of petrol before the end of the show is up today, Kempi. Formula One up after 8 o'clock. But shortly, we're going to catch up with a 15-year-old bloke, I think. 15-year-old bloke? 15. 15. 15, yep. Just honestly, that's... Absolutely, mate. Living the dream, I think. Well, he's out there in Europe on a MotoGP circuit with the best in the world, flying around on these, well, I mean, you shouldn't say death traps, but they're they're pretty bloody brutal, those MotoGP vehicles. They fly, and he's out there doing it on the world stage at age 15. We've got Liam Lawson clipping at the heels of the F1 as pretty much a teenager as well. Gee, we've got some unbelievable Kiwi kids doing some incredible things on the world stage. So Cormac Buchanan, a Southland lad who's out there in Europe doing his best against the best in the world. We're going to catch up with him and dial into him up after this. If we can get through, we're going to exotic places, all corners of the world here on Baznizzi for breakfast. So crossing our fingers and toes, our technology holds up. We are 22 and a half away from eight. Cormac Buchanan after this, talking MotoGP and what he dreams of doing. Baz and Izzy for breakfast We're trying to track down Cormac Buchanan all the way on the other side of the world f- following his dream as a 15 year old hey boys two phases is plenty ask Kempi as a league guy for me it's just a head scratcher from Mark oh yeah mate look I, it's one of the frustrations of mine I, look I played union before I played league and it was pretty basic back in those days you'd I can't remember the, I can't remember any of the referees. They stayed out of the game. But these days when you're watching them, the one that gets me is they, they say advantage and then have to run 60 metres back to where it originally started. That loses me. Well, there's, here's eight she's come through here. What's even worse is the 20 or even at times 30 metre penalty advantage that they're having to bring it all the way back. The defensive team are left helpless for minutes. It, honestly, the defensive teams are being held for ransom held to ransom in their own half. Like, if you get a penalty on, say, the 40-metre line, you can pretty much get all the way to the 5-metre line if you do it within two or three minutes and you knock it on. Mm. Oh, we come back, and then they put it in the corner. You're under pressure again. Another penalty advantage. Maybe they drop it again. 
someone goes to the bin, it happens again. It can be so draining, and, and I must, it must be so demoralising for the defences, is he? Yeah, mate. Look, I spoke off air, and I said, look, the, the problem with these refs, so they're getting told from high above, and Kemp, you spoke about it earlier, they're getting told from high above how to ref, so they're being robotic, and they're, they're losing sight of actually human instincts and following. We all understand the game. We all understand how, how common, uh, common sense flow trying to keep the game flowing along nicely and, and who's an advantage or who's disadvantage here. We all can all see that, you know, it doesn't take a, a rocket science to figure that out. So at the moment, they've been told how to ref, so they've been so robotic and, and, and their, their interpretation of the laws are so detailed that they are losing sight of what's going on around them. So for me, I 100% totally agree. Like, two phases, done. Let's move on. Keep the game flowing and keep it alive. I wonder if teams need to take this into their own hands, and I don't know where it's going to get to, but, you know, is there actually any benefit for just slogging it out on offence? If, if you've got the ball and you've got an advantage, are we going to get to the point where they just start knocking it on, just saying, like, we'd rather just put it in the corner and move on? Because I Well, that's, that's half the problem. That's half the problem because the players are, are the ones that are in the ref's ears as well. So you've got players... They're saying advantage over, advantage over, and then you've got old Aaron Smith coming back to him and saying, what about that knock-on six phases ago? And then the ref's been told, so he's obviously got it in his head. So the players have to be held accountable too. They have to understand that we're trying to keep the game alive and stop nagging the refs. They have a lot of say, and I know that's for a fact because I was one of them. <laughs> the refs, and it was, it's bad, but we have to take accountability as well to try and keep the game alive because I'll be honest, at the moment, with the way the ref- officiating has been gone, it's too structured, it's too interpreted, and we're losing sight of just common sense and free-flowing rugby. I think what happens, Louis, when you're talking about that the players taking their own hands, I think I think what happens is because what you get when you've got interpretations and, and left to interpretation of different individuals who are referees, then what coaches do is they analyse the refs. Yeah, 100%. And they analyse the, the commonality and around what sort of decisions yeah. they make. And then they coach their players, both good and bad. And it happens in both sports. Mm-hmm. Rugby league is exactly the same. So you get, you know, a, a, and if you watch the first round of the NRL last week, you had players basically just... Um, not getting penalties for wrestling so long, and and some referees giving mm. penalties straight away. You know, so you go, you you look at those referees, and you'd say, well, let's ref a little bit longer with this guy, and make sure that we release him a little bit earlier with this one. You bang on, Kempe. Literally, this is symptomatic of a huge problem that rugby union has, where there are so many different loopholes and places that you can be cynical and take the piss out of the game. To be honest, to be perfectly yeah. honest, that when I say that when and when Nigel Yeldon and me were talking about what we, you know. I really do believe rugby is the sport most in the world, and somebody will come up with a better example that needs a huge master reset. Like the game is mm. so complicated and it's so convoluted, and there's so many ways that you can cynically um, benefit yourself, and people will be rolling their eyes and saying, Mate, you support the Crusaders. You can't be saying that. But the Crusaders have just done it because the game can, the game has allowed them to do it. The rule book has been so complicated for so many years now. Mm. And a master reset is needed. Advantages should be one phase and one phase only. They've got That's rules for, Brad. for rules and rules for rules for rules. You know, That's the thing. They've got rules and rules and rules and rules. It's, it's a simple game, mate. Did you? It's a simple game. I don't know all the laws, but I know the basic laws of how to play rugby, and I know what's right and wrong, and that is all we need to know. You <laughs> don't have to dig into And that's the thing league does really well. They, they got rules, but they don't go and ruin a game by giving you a red card. They'll deal with it after the match, keep the game flowing. The only problem with league is the 
the bunker. They always go to the bunker. Get rid of the bunker. The the field. Also, to get ta- rid of the bunker. I'll take it one step far- <laughs> further, and it's Australia. Australia, it's in their nature. Do you know what's even better than NRL? AFL. AFL agonises mm. about score reviews, mate. They can't stand score reviews. If it takes more than 20 seconds, they have like a full morning Jared Waitley program the next day about it, like an expose about how mm. the game's been ruined. They just play what they see and carry on. And I don't know, and maybe it's because rugby's just a really young sport, so we got stuck in the weeds way faster, and there wasn't that, you know, that as a, a profi- when I say young, I mean professional sport, so we got stuck in the weeds way faster. But I'd love to know what you think on this. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We've got a bit of time here because we've just had a bit of a run in with our connection again. Um, can't catch up with Cormac this morning, so we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call on the Kennard's Higher phone line, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. And if you want to talk about lineouts not being straight. Come see me and we can do that off here because no one wants to hear me talk about that. But um, maybe we could catch up for a coffee outside the studios here. It is 12 minutes away from eight. Baz and Izzy for breakfast with Kempi, myself, Louie and Dagger down there in Ahoka back in a minute. 1199 at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, we're coming up to 8am. We're going to uh, go on our Greyhound charity run in just a second, but there's some good texts here, Izzy. People are stuck in the weeds with us. They are, mate. They're up and about, and they totally are on board with us. Chat about refereeing at the moment. The rules are crazy, and our refs are being too lenient in some areas. Also, we will be in trouble when ABs have northern refs as they are refereeing differently. And that is from Brian. It's always difficult. <laughs> yeah. No one's aligned. We know what's happening in the north. Totally different down here in the south. We need alignment and a world calendar where everyone's on the same page will be the same competition. Here we go. We've got one from Brad. As a team defending against an advantage, just get your hands in the ruck or create another infringement so the referee goes back to the original penalty advantage. Adi Savia does it really well. That is from Brad. And then change the knock-on rule from uh, scrum only to the winning team getting a choice of scrum or short-arm free kick. Steve from Auckland, I'd love that one too. Get rid of that uh, scrum, get a free kick, keep the game flowing, keep the game moving because that's what we want to see. Ball and play, not stoppages, watching refs put their hands out and up and wherever they go. Hey, is he, uh, here's another one from... Hey, is he, just yeah. before you move on to the next one, when you're at the back, like, and you and you know you've 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 been on attack and you're going quite well, and then all of a sudden the game stops, and all you want to do is get your hand on the ball, and the scrums are a scrummer gene, mate. Do you yeah. also, did when you were playing? Did you used to get really frustrated about the length of time that those boys would take just to get you back the ball? Frustrated, very very frustrated, because honestly, it would be standing there, particularly when it's freezing. We'll be standing there, and it's like five minutes, mate. Like five minutes sometimes. But honestly, after a big, long period of play, when the ball's in play and you're, you're knackered, you take that breather, and you've got a lot of admiration for these big forwards that got to lug their big bodies around the park, and then they've got to go scrum. So they get no stoppages. But when it goes on for like five minutes, mate, it's it's a ball ache. It's, it ruins the game. Everyone loses, everyone loses interest. I'm sitting there getting cold. My knees are hurting. Like there's nothing worse. So speeding up the game. Is the did way you, to did go. you say anything? Did did you say anything? My knees are hurting. I'm getting cold. Did you? No, no. Look, seri- uh, look seriously. Did you used to chirp? Because you know, you're in fullback, you could move around quite freely in that open, open role oh, that you had. Did you used to just wander nah. past them and say something to them? Nah, 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 mate, because honestly, I'd get snapped in half and, and <laughs> my head would be through the other side if I was in that front row or anything like that. 
Um, so I never said anything, but I'll be giving like the guys next to me a little bit of stick. I'm like, mate, look at these. Yup, man, it's not that hard to put the ball in through your legs and get it out. Like, stay up. So I'd give my mates around me a bit of banter. It was quite good too, because I'd look at the opposition. So I might be uh, you know, opposite someone from Aussie or Ireland, and then we'll just start winking and just having a little little play around in the in the backfield. So you have a bit of fun, but we need to move on, Louis. Oh, that's good. I don't want to. I want to talk about lineouts. Um, <laughs> personally, Brad, Brad, I take your point, Brad. But the only issue is when you're defending and you've been defending for the last 10 minutes, if you're giving away multiple penalties in one, that the refs start yeah. counting and they start getting angry at you. And that's when you lose someone to the bin. But you're right. We've got to move on. We can't keep flogging this one. Or can we? It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. It absolutely is. GRNZ.co.nz. We love our dogs. What do you got, Louis? And they, well, you know, you know, we're actually coming off a couple of, we have two from three boys. We're flying. Mm. We are flying. Not me to pick one. Um, <laughs> well, you probably couldn't go any worse than you could, you're going with the thoroughbreds. So that's, that's not, you know, there's room there. Um, Addington, today, yeah. race 12. I'm going to direct you there. Race number 12 at Addington today on the Greyhounds. Uh, I've been to the Greyhounds at Addington, had a great night during Cup Week. Man, it's fun there. Although the Greyhounds are quite far away. You actually kind of, because it's inside the trotting um, arena there. And we're looking at number two, Gold Star Gigi. Gigi Hadid, how are you? Come on down. Uh, We have got... (laughs) Two dollars seventy odds seems to have clicked now, and she will carry support from this handy alley. You bitches will carry support, mate. We're on, Kimby. Yep, is, I, I know me and you on. I know me and you on is, <laughs> mate. Just you go and get yourself a nice big muffin after this, okay? And you take like three or four <laughs> hours to eat it with a cup of coffees before you turn on your TAB app. Oh, uncle, uncle. Honestly, I love donating to the TAB because they're a big supporter of our show. I love it. I'll give well, back. we're not just donating to the TAB here. When we win with Gold Star GG, uh, we're going to be donating to Child Cancer Foundation. They're a charity of uh, choice. We absolutely adore the work they do for all kids and families, support networks in need. So Gold Star GG today, race 12, number two at Addington with GRNZ. Greyhound New Zealand, thank you for your support. Kempi, stop texting the show, mate. You can't get into the race. Come on, mate. <laughs> Uncle T, it the was race. yesterday, mate. Your, number, your name shows up, Matua. Oh, come on. It's worth a chance. <laughs> all good, all good. Good fun. Hopefully we can still raise some more money for Child Cancer Foundation, Louis, because that, at the end of the day, is what it's about. And you know what? Because we're doing that, I'll stay off that wee punt to give it every best hope and chance of winning. Coming up, we're going to have a chat to Chris Medlin of the F1. We want to talk that drive to survive. I love that show. I want to get a little lowdown of what's happening. Big couple of hours coming up. We're off to track down some McCafe coffees. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Try New Vic's First Defence Nasal Spray. Now $11.99 at Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ.
Yes, good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ Baz. Our skip McCullum, he's off to the IPL. And honestly, I miss him. We miss him here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We hope he's doing well and we'll get a wee update from skipper Baz McCullum over the next couple of weeks. See how he's going over in India as he's going over to hopefully go one better in the KKR. We got Louis Herman Watt in the house with Tony Kemp, Uncle Matua, and he's ready to rip him. We've got a big hour ahead of us. We've got coming up, we're going to have Steve Price in our League of Hour of Power after 9 o'clock, and we're going to get Kempy, Uncle Kempy's reaction. But right now, I'm pumped for this one. Right now, I'm pumped to give this one a big wheel because I'm watching it on Netflix and it is my favourite show. My wife even loves it. Not once did I think Daisy would love their Formula One, but she's right up and about. And she's a Lewis Hamilton fan. Loves Lewis Hamilton. She's like, oh, he's such a gentleman. He's such a nice guy. Anyway, he won't be nice when he taps um, Max Verstappen's car again. Anyway, we're going to have a chat to Chris Medlin. Formula One. 2022 gets underway this weekend with as much anticipation heading into a season that we've ever seen that we've never seen before. The Bahrain GP launches this year with a tussle for the title, all but guaranteed between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, and tensions at an all-time high between their teams. As the sport has grown, thanks to Drive to Survive and a true rivalry, there will be many of you, including us that have some burning questions for the year ahead. When it comes to F1 and Baz and Izzy for breakfast, there is only one man for the job. Chris Medlin is a freelance F1 journalist and he's freshly landed in Bahrain. And it's evening to you, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? We're doing very, very well, mate. We're two hours into our jam-packed show covering all sport racing and I've been watching Drive to Survive, mate, so I'm up and about loving the series. Are you ready to throw yourself into another season of F1? No. <laughs> the way it ended last year, I'll tell you. It was, it was not much of an off-season. It has been crazy the way last year blew up. Uh, the, whole, the whole winter has been mad. But to be honest, actually, I am really excited to be here because... We need to get going again. We need to go racing again. Like it, mm. it was kind of settled on the track, but it kind of wasn't last year. And there was a lot of uh, yeah anger at the way it all kind of shook out in the end. So the only way we're really going to start moving on from it is for these guys to go wheel to wheel again and start start settling on track. So uh, yeah, I can't wait for the racing to start. Just could have done with an extra week or two, I reckon, and a bit of downtime could have come could have helped to come down under and just head head down to New Zealand and have a bit <laughs> of a break, like you guys asked me to at the end of last year. I should have should have taken you up on it. Should have taken us up on it, mate. But in all honesty, you won't be able to get in here. We're still locked up in here in New Zealand. But maybe soon, mate, we'll get you over, Chris. Hey, uh, is it still just a two-horse race? You know, like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, they are probably the obvious ones that will take out the Drivers' Championship. Is there anyone else that could potentially push them and surprise them? Yeah, absolutely. I'd actually say it's if it's a two-horse race this weekend, like if I had to say it now and I might look stupid come Sunday or, or Monday over there, um, I'd say it's a two-horse race between Red Bull and Ferrari this weekend because Ferrari look like they've got it mm. right this year. They've done a really good job with their new yeah. car. Like the, the rules are totally different. These are brand new cars. Uh, most of the guys that designed them have said it's the biggest change F1's ever seen. Um, so it's it's a massive kind of like start of a new era. But Red Bull have done a good job. Ferrari have done a good job. Mercedes have done a solid job. They've got a car that's clearly quick. They just can't work out how to make it 
go quick. So um, they're kind of <laughs> still trying to suss it out, basically. It's a bit temperamental. But when they get it right, they'll be right in that mix too. So um, at the start of the year, we could have this great scenario where there's three or maybe even four teams fighting it out, which would be mega to see to have like Hamilton awesome. and Verstappen, but also Sainz and Leclerc in there as well. Maybe Norris and Ricardo if the McLaren's good. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's looking pretty good for this year. With all the, Chris, with all the drama mm. with Lewis and Verstappen late last year and the, and the so-called thinking about throwing the towel and is he still motivated, Lewis, do you think, to get back out there and win a title? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the thing is with Lewis is, and sometimes he has to manufacture this himself, but he didn't need to have the winter, is his best performances come when his back's against the wall and he feels like things are against him. So, you know, if he's got a bit of adversity, he's he's really on it. And it, that happened a bit towards the end of last year. There was a race in Brazil where uh, he had to start from the back because of penalties he got that he thought were unfair. He got disqualified from qualifying for basically part of the car failing during his qualifying run. Uh, and he was really angry and fired up. And he produced one of his greatest performances. That sort of thing really motivates him. So coming into this year, feeling like he was wronged at the end of last season, that's a real kind of... Um, that's that's going to stoke the flames for him. So he's already mentioned it. He said, if you guys thought I was good last year or at the end of last year, you haven't seen anything yet. And he's on the verge of going like out on his own with eight world titles. You know, Michael Schumacher's got seven. Lewis has got seven. He so nearly got eight last year. Didn't quite happen. And I don't think he'd like anything more than to come out and win it this year and maybe walk away at that point. <laughs> but to put himself clear with eight championships and to kind of, in his eyes, righted the wrong of the way last year was handled. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's really fired up. So so does it does it make him the favourite or is he another favourite? You think? No, right now based on what we saw in testing, so when we got to see the new cars and kind of how they look, I, I think Verstappen's the favourite again. Um, I think that his approach won't change. He's still young and you know in in a way of saying it, he's young and naive. He just kind of gets in the car, drives it quickly. Whatever happens, happens. You know, doesn't care about the repercussions too much, and that really works well for him. Uh, it's why a lot of people like him as well. He's just kind of carefree in that sense. He just wants to go racing and drive a car fast. And mm. he he clearly hasn't been impacted by winning a world title. He's just come back to go racing again. And I think that means we'll see kind of the best from him too, maybe with an added bit of confidence that he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone in the sense that he's got a title under his belt. But the Red Bull car looks quick. They, they've done a good job over the winter. Uh, I just think they're right now they're in a little bit more settled place than Mercedes are. Uh, that that will definitely change over the season. It's a 23 race season. You know, it'll ebb and flow, and and we'll see um, kind of the pecking order move around a bit this year because there'll be a lot of development going on and a lot learned with the new cars. But where we start from right now, uh, if I was putting money on a race winner on Sunday, it would be on Verstappen. Mm, interesting, interesting. Hey, we had Will Baxton on last week, and he spoke about the the changes in the car. He didn't give him too much into detail, but for our car enthusiasts, what what are the biggest changes in the car and you talked about red bull quickly is am i right if they have the honda honda's left the red bull car so they've got a different make of engine kind of so yeah honda's left f1 but red bull took over the honda project so they, it's called a red bull engine basically um but it's the honda yep. from like well it's, it's a new honda that honda developed last year got ready for this year gave to red bull uh, honda is still supporting they're still building stuff they've got a partnership there but it's just not officially a, a honda engine now um, so yeah, mm. it's, it's essentially the same thing on that front. So that, that's good continuity for them in terms of the cars themselves. Um, the way they used to work, they would generate all their performance from downforce from wings and, and the aerodynamics on the top of the car, um, the front wing, the rear wing, uh, and the diffuser at the back of the floor. 
but they were never allowed to do anything with the actual floor itself underneath the car. Um, it, there was this thing called ground effect where basically, in a very basic way of saying it, you could try and suck the car to the track by creating kind of tunnels mm. that would fire air through them. And they were banned uh, back in the 80s, early 80s, because it was too dangerous. For the first time since then, F1's allowing it again. So now the floors are being used Ooh. to create the most downforce possible uh, because it would ideally mean the car behind doesn't get so affected by it. It's just like kind of a, a, a safer way or a different way of creating that that performance. Uh, so you don't then drive mm. into a load of messed up air by the car in front and lose all your performance. So the whole idea is to make racing better. Um, and yeah, it, it now means that most of the downforce or a big chunk of it comes from the floor, which was never the case. Uh, for the last 40 years so that's why it's such a big difference as well it's it's kind of a new thing to a lot of people in the sport uh and they're dealing with 40 year old problems which is quite funny so there's there's a lot of old boys that have retired and have been watching testing and seeing the difficulties that all the teams are facing and just laughing at them being like yeah yeah we had that back in the 80s you guys should have given, given me a call so uh it's been quite funny in that sense hey chris i just i've got a question for you do you like go to bed at night and just you know, put on your meditation music and fall asleep and dream about F1, like you're driving one of those Red Bull or Mercedes cars? Absolutely bloody not, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think anything but, mate. Uh, it's, it's more kind of like, um, I mean, half the time I don't even dream because I'm just like, you know, so tired, I'm just dead to the world. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's anything but F1. It's, um, I mean, we, yeah, you, you do live it. It is a lifestyle. You have to, you know, you travel around with it. 23 races in a year, that's like over half of your year is spent on the road going to events. Mm. Um, and you're, you're kind of always thinking about it. But um, no, the second you kind of get away from work, you try and think of anything else. So like tonight, I'm thinking I might be able to sneak in a, a cheeky nine holes of golf before I have to go to the track tomorrow morning. That's that's going to be on my mind. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful. I love golf too, mate. Good on you. Um, quickly, <laughs> what about Daniel Ricciardo? Daniel Ricciardo, like, he struggled last year with McLaren and uh, Lando Norris was they had the same car. There was questions about Daniel Ricciardo's confidence. Has he come back fired up as... Are we expecting big things? And this is—is is this a must? Is this a moving season for him, or otherwise, is he—is he, he gone? It's definitely a big season for him. He's still got a contract next year with McLaren, so like, even if he has a tough one this mm. year, I think he'll still have another season with them to try and prove himself. But that will really mm. hurt his rep if he goes two years in a row and gets beaten by uh, Norris and, and struggles. I wouldn't judge him on this weekend because he, he started preseason well. He had a good run in Barcelona when we had three days of testing there in February. But then last week he tested positive for COVID here in Bahrain. So he's been isolating yeah. for a week, wasn't able to drive the car. So he's he's behind everyone else really in terms of um, how up to speed with the new car he is. McLaren as well, we're having a bit of trouble with their brakes being too hot so they couldn't really drive too much. So the team had problems mm. to solve. Ricardo didn't get any track time. I, I think he'll have a tough weekend actually this weekend. Um, but I'd kind of write that mm. off. It'll be a test session for him. Just a bit of experience, get used to the car again. We go racing again in a week in Saudi Arabia, and that's when we will hopefully see a little bit more of the, the kind of true Ricardo. But I think the fact that the rules have changed so much probably help him. It, it's an, a whole mm. new era means that he can lean on his experience a bit, but the problems he had last year don't carry over because the cars are so different. So um, I'd expect a stronger Daniel Ricardo this year, and I'd, I'd be surprised if we didn't get it. But if we don't get it, then he's still got one more year to prove himself. But yeah, it would be pretty damaging to his reputation if if he doesn't really take the fight to Norris this year.
Hey, Chris, one of the reasons where, you know, people are so invested in Formula One is obviously drive to survive. It's been a smash hit and like it or not, it's Mm. drawn more people to the sport, which can only be a good thing. I think we've spoken to you about this. Two of the protagonists from that show, Toto Wolf and Christian Horner, I watch it and all I think about is, yeah, but what are they really like? Like Christian Horner kind of seems like it's performance art with him and Toto, you almost feel like he's got another layer that you just don't see. You've been around the sport so long. You know these guys. Um, you see them interact with their team, with their families probably. What are they actually like and do they play it up? So, yeah, so the thing with – I always found Christian, he was, he's been playing the Netflix cameras like since the first series because Mercedes and Ferrari didn't get involved with the first series and Christian saw an opportunity for Red Bull to really muscle in on it, get a lot of airtime, become you know fan-favorite <laughs> team. It was very smart, like yeah, and fair play to him because he committed to it when they were the biggest team to commit to the series. Um, and Mercedes and Ferrari had to admit after a year that they'd got it totally wrong and they needed to be part of it too. So I have respect for him being fully involved, but a lot of it was um, kind of knowing it was for TV. And, and he apparently half criticised the Netflix guys after the first season when he saw it about the way they um, portrayed him a bit. But then he admitted, well, it's for TV though, isn't it? So I know what you're doing. And I think he, because he is a smart guy, he's then he's been playing it since then. So I don't think it's truly him. I think he's a little bit more normal, actually, than he comes across in some of that stuff. Um, he's, yeah, he's very self-confident. There's clearly a, quite a show of his lifestyle in the sense that he's married to a, a Spice Girl and, you know, the, the life they lead is quite uh, glamorous and high profile. But I do think that he probably turns it up a notch for Netflix. Toto, I just can't mm. work out in that uh, he's <laughs> always been, he's been really straight laced. Like he's a, he's a really kind of normal guy to deal with one-to-one, very honest, um, like gives you, you know, I, I don't know if I can swear on this show, but um, yeah. He, 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 maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, like, let's just play it kind of. It's, it's morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. So, yeah. He gives you no BS. He's very, he's very like a, a straight talker when you talk to him in person. But then, yeah, when the cameras are rolling, you can tell he's thinking a little bit more. When he's on record, he's trying to outsmart people a little bit more. And part of it is that these guys are are very smart people because that's how they've got to where they are. And they're also ruthless. And what you get, even like what I get with some of these guys, and I think I'm I'm getting like a, a true version of them. Perfect. <laughs> Change they're dealing with. So it, it's um I don't think anyone truly knows the real person unless they live with them so um mm. i mean susie wolf's lovely and she puts up a toto so he must be a decent guy um, <laughs> that, that's the way i read it chris one last question mate and that's great that's a great explanation i kind of figured that what about your countryman um will buxton because we had him on the show last week and he just yeah. he just comes across like a ripper and I don't know if you guys have some journalism feud or anything so I'm kind of asking blind here but um, he, he, he obviously <laughs> the pregnant pauses and the way he plays up in the show he must be a good guy right and, and is it funny like just a colleague because he's just a, a TV and, and journalist right he's a Formula 1 journalist him and Jenny kind of blowing up via the show is it quite funny looking at them and just being like well, that's, it's quite random how this all happened yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, so with Will especially, like he was on the first season that I was on as well. And he um, is very good at, at kind of hyping stuff up. He's he's very good, like performer as such. But he is like that a lot in person as well. You guys would have <laughs> noticed it, the way he spoke and answered questions. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I always, before I met Will, so I, I get on really well with him now. I've known him for quite a few years. But before I met him, I always figured that was his kind of like on-screen presence was, you know, that he turned it on for the camera. <laughs> 
and then was more, dare I say, normal um, when the cameras weren't rolling <laughs> and then found, no, that, that guy is 100% of the time like that. Um, but also that's quite kind of cool because I'm like, well, he's authentic at least. Um, he's very passionate. He's mm. passionate. Kind of yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's enormous, the passion in it. Um, and he's seen all the memes that are going around and stuff. And I think he plays up a bit. I've noticed that the, I saw bits <laughs> of the later season. I haven't seen a huge amount. And it's getting more and more scripted for those guys. So I did the first season and I had to do a few bits that were a bit scripted in terms of explaining you know, the way a race weekend works and things like that. And Will had to do that this year. But a lot of it was just to give an honest answer. But there was, as Netflix kind of got smart to what was going to work, they start asking you to say certain things or they ask you a really leading question. And more and more, yeah, Will and Jenny just have to kind of answer what they're, what they're told to answer because it's going to fit the edit. Um, but it, it is what works. It is what brings it to a massive new audience. And yeah, Will has to say some of the most basic stuff but say it in a really dramatic way. That's... And he's getting a lot of stick for it. <laughs> that's a, um, and that's what I mean. Like, yeah. It must be so funny for you like to have a colleague just sucking eggs on, on telly. But, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the best thing for an editor, right? Because anything they can't explain via vision, they can just have got like a, a person there that can pretty much narrate it but as an interviewer. It's very clever like, the way it's put together from a um, production standpoint. It is very, very clever, but it must be random for you. Chris, we'll let you go because you've got a massive weekend. You've got a huge season. And it's always so good to catch up. You're very good at explaining things for us. Thanks for asking, answering some of our burning questions. It's awesome to uh, catch up and, and best of luck for the year ahead. Hopefully you, um, Cheers, Chris. hopefully you play all right tomorrow morning and, and can work it like Cam Smith, <laughs> that up and down on the 18th there at TPC. Just channel that, mate. Just channel that, and you'll be fine. Beautiful, Chris Medlin there, Formula One journalist, um, and just all around great bloke, is he? Very, very good catch-up. I know Kempi was highly invested into that conversation. He loved the nitty-gritty detail up and about there. So, no, yeah, I the love flow, it, the flow honestly, underneath the car, mate, that got me going a bit. <laughs> no, honestly, that's the amount of detail and money that goes into this sport. Huge amounts of money that flows in. These boys sleep on soup yachts when they're in Monaco, mate. They have got Kimpy, tons of cash. It's not all about swinging arms over the you top know, and coming know, off the back fence, mate. There's a bit more nuance to sport. Do you honestly want to know what I was thinking? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Do you want to be my lover? That's all I was, I was going. Never, I ever the, do that again. I remember those girls. Yeah, they were quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> 22 and a half past eight. <laughs> Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Thanks to Chris Midland. He's an absolute legend. Uh, we love having him on the show. Paulie Moati, the party, not far away. Victor and Parker Rabard Black, excess 100 mil for only eighty nine ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. We're two minutes away from Aroha in the news. It's time for our TAB live catch-up with Paulie Moati, bet live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. Pauli Moate, morning, brother. Yeah, morning, is How are you? I'm very, very good, mate. I didn't get on highborn, so the boys are up and about and they got paid because I didn't curse it. So, what do you got, mate? You had a good <laughs> night? Yeah, yeah, good night. And it's a big, big day and night uh, sporting-wise today, of course. Uh, the White Ferns. A take on South Africa in the uh, World Cup, uh, Cricket World Cup. Of course, uh, for the White Ferns, uh, it's pretty much a must-win game. Uh, their favourites, and the money has come their way as well. Uh, the two 
Biggest bets we've had on the match are both on the white ferns at $1.40. We've had a $1,200 bet and an $1,100 bet on the white ferns to win at $1.40. There's also a $500 multi on the white ferns to win into the Milwaukee Bucks to beat mm. the Sacramento Kings uh, this afternoon. So a lot of support uh, money-wise on the white ferns to win today, which, of course, they really must do and also improve that net run rate because uh, I think when we get to the uh, business end of this tournament, that net run rate will be very, very important. So uh, support coming for the White Ferns to beat the South Africans today in the top mm. run scorer market for the White Ferns. Um, it's all about the big three there. Sophie Devine at 375, Amelia Kerr at 433, and Susie Bates at 450, uh, the three best-backed in that top-run scorer market for the White Ferns. Hey, Paulie. Yep. You know Stephen Hunt from the TAB? Yes, I do, yes. The head honcho, the big man, the, the big man with the yeah. books? That, that, that's him. How... How proud am I that I got him to reply to one of my tweets about one of his markets and he even pulled out some figures from one of his spreadsheets plus eight lengths uh, talking about can I get an amen? One of the best things to wake up to that I've got Stephen Hunt replying to me. Does does that mean that I've cracked it? I think this is the pinnacle of your career, Louis. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't believe it. I I, I am so proud that I have made a point that he's had to reply to, and uh, it's uh, Stephen versus the people on Can I Get an Amen? We'll work out where her starting price starts and ends, and then we'll see if she can win, and we'll be circling back to this one on Monday. I love it. I love the banter from Hunty. It's good stuff. Fantastic. No, brilliant. Oh, I'll keep an eye on that. I, I hope the chat continues. Uh, <laughs> I'm just having a look a wee bit further. I know it's the start, it's the start of the uh, NRL Week 2 uh, tonight with the uh, Bunnies and the Storm taking on one another. I can tell you right now, all the support is for the Storm. Um, they have been very, very well back. They're currently a dollar forty to win that match. They're the best backed in the head-to-head market, and they're the best backed in the winning team uh, and margin market. Uh, the best option there, Storm by one to twelve, uh, has seen the most action. I've also had a little look at the Warriors. I can't believe it. They're three dollar five outsiders, and we've taken more money on them. Then we've taken on the gold yeah, side. They're faithful. Oh, the they're faithful faithful. still out there. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and just don't kick them on your way out this week. This just time, Paul. Just, just show, be, tact, be tactful. No, I, you know, I'd love to see the Warriors win uh, this weekend. You're lying to your teeth, mate. I, I, I can tell you where my money's going. It's going on the Titans. Because <laughs> I, I want some cash on Monday. Paulie Mawadi, the party. Unless you're a Warriors fan, then he's a party pooper. Uh, 28 minutes away from nine. TAB.co.nz. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Head there, get your bets on for the weekend. The fields are open for Saturday at Trentham as well. Seamus and Cinerama is his two-leg multi. Go on, the (laughs) Sharrick Barn. 28 from nine. We'll be back with some sports news after this. Here's the news with Araha for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand.
WCNZ, 26 away from nine, and a happy St. Patrick's Day to all our Irish brethren and sisters. The Cranberries, what a band, what a song, Linger. I love Ireland, I've never been. It's a 100% on my bucket list as a destination spot. I reckon you have a lot of fun over there, and I've never met... Well, no, not maybe true. But a good Irish a good Irish person is as good as a person you come across. They are good fun. And, man, we've had some great memories throughout the years with Ireland and sport. That famous tussle. And they've got up over the All Blacks in the last few years. Ryan Crotty scoring in the corner, then that conversion from Aaron Cruden two times a few years ago. We've had battles years and years and years gone by. Kempi, favourite Irish athlete? Oh, there's a there's a few. Like, I, I used to like Conor McGregor before he made all that money. Um, I watched I like watching him come through the ranks. Uh, Barry McGuigan, you know, he, I liked him too. He's a boxer, but my all-time favourite is Jack Dempsey. Um, I think you know, the boxing ranks are Irish. They're tough, mate. You know, they, the, the Gypsy King, they've they got such a... Um, a massive history in boxing uh, and none better than the famous Jack Dempsey. Love it. Izzy, they love their golf in Ireland. I'm thinking Patrick Harrington. Um, there's some there's some greats of the years gone by, isn't there? There is. Louis, sorry about the noise in the background. Um, so what's happened here? We've had a bit of a country clueless moment. So three o'clock, my smoke alarms go off in the morning and it's... <laughs> Connor hasn't really stopped, and now I've got a guy here trying to fix it, and the alarm's going. So apologies if that's annoying. Uh, um, what we'll do, what? because it absolutely is, we'll put, okay. you, we'll put you on hold for a bit, and we'll come back with Country Clueless a bit later on. Hey, mate, well, just about Ireland, I'll just tell you a story from back in the day. There's... <laughs> I'm sorry if that's annoying. He's he's got like a barking siren going on. Look at it. Hello. <laughs> I'm turning off my own mic. What about so all the, pe- what about all the people? Out, what about all the people out the back running across oh, the paddock? Gone. <laughs> it's gone now. I love that you gone. wanted to check if that it. was annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Kimpy, carry on. No, I'm just going to say, like um, in England, I was I was walking my, my baby around the um, Round Hay Lake. It's in Leeds, and a guy comes up to me. I had I told you that Mizuno boot thing about the the guy who gave me the gave me the check my Mizuno play boots the, out. Play this thing. Yeah, yeah, gave me, end up being a... In my day, with Matsua Kempi. <laughs> and anyway, the guy who said, oh, you wear those Mizuno boots, and I said, yeah, and he goes, oh, I'm actually the general manager of Mizuno um, UK. So, and he was my neighbour. So we got we became really, really good mates, and he was an Irishman, and ended up taking me over to Ireland and giving me the full Irish... Um, wow. Um, Guinness experience? Mate, I can't remember. I cannot. <laughs> Honestly, we played. We played Friday night. He was a general. He was a. He was a CEO of Mizuno UK. He said we're flying first thing Saturday morning. Well, we played that night Friday night. We went out. I got home like three, four o'clock. The girls had gone away on the weekend anyway, so we got home. I would have had an hour sleep before we went out to the airport. I can't remember getting to Ireland or getting back. He just took me on one of these. Or, on a, I, An walked, Irish Odyssey, mate. We walked in. I, I only thought we went to one pub. I, I, I think it was only one pub, and just drank Guinness. And all of his family were coming, and we, then we end up in an estate of where all these Irish. It was, and it was fantastic, mate. I had a, had a really good time with them. But they're just really good people. 
100% agree. Um, sounds like Izzy's weekend last weekend, what you're talking about. It is St. Patrick's Day, so happy <laughs> St. Paddy's Day. If you go out tonight, be safe, look after one another. Um, great celebrations. It's always a fun time around town, though. And you just, I'm looking at the TV now and, and the Irish pubs across the road, the Paddington, will be, it'll be going good right about now as well. It's 21 minutes away from 9 o'clock. Sorry, Daggy, what was that? I was just going to say I loved Keith Wood, mate, the Irish hooker. Oh, back in yes. The day. Yeah, I was yeah, a big yeah. Keith with the bald head. Uh, he, he was uh, just your total opposite to what a hooker should be like. He defined and changed the game for for the hooker role. So, yeah, he was probably my favourite Irish uh, athlete. I wonder who Tana Umaga's favourite Irish athlete is. 20 minutes away from <laughs> 9 o'clock this morning. Back with Tom Abercrombie for Court Kings in a second. Every week on SCNZ, we're lucky enough to catch up with Tall Blacks legend, Breakers captain and legend Tommy Abercrombie with Court Kings. They design, build and install basketball heaven. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a tough one to swallow for the Breakers lads earlier in the week. But Tom, you're over in Australia, man. Yesterday, or a couple of days ago, we had Cam Smith, an Aussie and a Kiwi Sam Caddy on the bag pull off a pretty epic win on the PGA Tour at the Players. Is, did you manage to catch that? Was there any buzz about it? <laughs> yeah, man, I was all over it. Um, so it was a little bit hard to, to unwind sometimes after a uh, a big game and um, it was perfect. The, the tournament was on on TV. I was I was watching the, I don't know, all the rounds were so mixed up because of the weather. But um, I caught the caught the end of it and um, man, it's hard not to root for for Cam. It's pretty cool to see him doing his thing and watching his family there supporting him and stuff. And gave us a few few stressful moments on the 18th. But um, man, what a what a tournament and what a player and pretty cool that there's a sort of a Kiwi connection there as well. Hundred percent, and like as a as an athlete, no doubt you like can grasp how like high pressure those stakes are. But he just like walks up to the 18th tee, pulls his driver with no, no question marks, and then sprays it, puts it in the water, then still goes up and down for that putt, which was just the whole thing was a bit nutty, wasn't it? It was. It wasn't. Um, I couldn't believe his shot on 17. Uh, all the commentators are talking about is just hitting it towards the middle of the green, and next minute he goes pin seeking and. Um, I think according to him, he's not sure if it was on purpose or not. But um, <laughs> you got to claim that he, he played it off very calmly, didn't he? Oh, he's the man. He is the man. Now, you said that you you got, had to cool off after a tight one. Well, the Wildcats. You went to OT, lost by two. You played twenty eight minutes, which would have felt good, um, into double digit scoring as well. Uh, I mean, like uh, yeah. Have you been able to put that one away yet? Oh. Look, man, it's it's tough, tough after games like that to let it go. It just uh, it doesn't feel fair sometimes. You you do everything, feel like you deserve to win, and the result doesn't go your way. But um, unfortunately, we've been on the the other end of a few of those Bryce Cotton buzzer beaters. Um, but man, yeah, hell of a game. The guys guys played really well to to fight back into that thing. And Hugo had a massive third quarter, which was incredible to watch and. Um, it was nice to, to get out there for a significant amount of minutes. The legs are feeling it after that, but um, you know, all, all part of the process for me and, and coming back and hopefully be better for the next one. And the great thing is we get to get to go and play Perth again um, over in their place, their, their first home game. And um, I think they've been on the road for about 14 games, um, so they got a little taste of kind of what we've been going through. And now we get to go and face them in their homecoming, which will be a, a nice fun environment in front of 13,000 screaming Perth fans so 
um, what better way to jump on jump back on the horse? Man, that is going to be chaos, isn't it? Like, give us that you've played them, you've played in that arena so many times. Do your best to explain to us how much they love that their wildcats over there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. It's like a a different country over there in, in WA. Like they just are so proud and have so much pride in their in their state and their teams, and they've just adopted the the wildcats as their own, and they support them like um, I don't know what to compare it to, but it's um, you know it's, it's crazy the amount of support they get, and consistently getting you know twelve thousand people coming along to their games, and and they're, they're so into it when they're there as well they're, they're, they're such vocal fans and they all wear their red and it's a it's a fantastic atmosphere to, to play in um and it's always one that you look forward to and especially one like this where you know they've been waiting a long time for their teams to come home they're going to be super excited and pumped and as a player you love those kind of environments going in and, and, and trying to shut that crowd up and keep them quiet it almost feels like they are kind of the parallel well, they've done so much winning it's almost like either a, 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 I don't know, like a Celtics fan base, you know, like it's a real iconic place. The crowd, the fans have been going for years. It's a lot of like generational fan base and they win. Their team wins. So um, they do a hell of a job and you've got to say they're really, really good for the league. Have you been keeping up with the hoops over in um, the NBA, man? Because it's starting to heat up and the uh, look, the funny, one of the funniest games all year would have had to have been the Nets rolling into Philly and just giving Embiid and Harden a hiding on their own court. Then Kevin Durant saying after the game, yeah, we knew they were slow. They don't get back on defense. We ran them off the court. I mean, the audacity, that was that was pretty impressive, eh? Yeah, I mean, those guys were drawing all night, Katie and uh, Embiid, which was awesome to see and awesome that, that the refs didn't tee them up like they usually do. They actually let them, let them go at each other a little bit. And I mean, that yeah, that game had so much hype towards it for, you know, the hard and Simmons factors and for Brooklyn to just go and wipe them off the court was it was pretty awesome to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, the NBA's going nuts at the moment. You've got guys dropping 60. Carl Anthony Towns had 60 the other night and Katie's been dropping 50 and all sorts of guys have been dropping, you know, 40, 50 points. So they're getting to sort of that, you can tell that, that pointy end of the season um, where the games start to matter a little bit more playoff seedings and things and going at each other and, and lifting that level of intensity. This is where, for me, the NBA becomes um, a little bit uh, throughout that regular season. It's a, it's a hell of a long season for them, but when it comes to this point, heading into playoffs, that's when we start to see the real NBA come out and the real players come out and that intensity and defensive pressure and things picks up and guys just start taking it to another level which is fun to watch like even Kyrie Irving just like picking up James Harden to the point that Harden wants to get off him like you know that if Kyrie's playing that sort of defense it's like lock and time and you would not want to come across the Nets as a one seed if they get the eight seed like that's that's insane really with their firepower one question to end on Tom and I want you to be decisive here NBA Mm. NBA or NBL but NBA one player on the earth to take the shot in a game seven um, because so many of these guys, and I've heard this conversation going hot at the moment, because so many of these guys like Curry, uh, Towns, um, Durant, as you said, uh, they're all really heating up. LeBron's putting 50 pieces up. Who's the guy to take a shot for you? Man, um, you've listed off some pretty good options there, but uh, for me, 
Like, I just think Kevin Durant is just the most incredible natural scorer that I've ever seen. So for someone to, to get me a bucket at the end of the game, I mean, you put the ball in that guy's hands, he's going to get his own shot off and it's going to be a high-quality look 99% of the time. So I'll, I'll take the... Awesome. I love that, man. I love it. Decisive to the point. That's great stuff. Good luck this weekend over there in the pit. Um, go well. We'll catch up again next week and we'll make sure Rizzi doesn't have a tea time uh, and he can be here with us. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. There you go. Tom Abercrombie caught up with the good man yesterday for Court Kings. Uh, love catching up with Tom Abercrombie every single week. And just for what it's worth, Kevin Durant, that is my answer. Daggy, one shot to Louis, win a game. Louis. Louis, I had work. Not a tea time. I had Sky TV work. Okay. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, one, oh, yeah. one shot. One shot, Steph Curry. All day. Oh. Kempi, who are you taking? Probably Bill Russell or something? One shot, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Michael Steph Jordan Curry over Steph Curry any day. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like it was going to be someone from that era. Good stuff. Great to catch up with Tom Abercrombie with Court Kings. Uh, awesome to catch up with him every single week and good on the boys for getting back on I the love horse. Tom, I love Tom Abercrombie. Me too. He's my favourite breaker. He pump, pump, pumps those three-pointers out like they're just, you know, weepicks. <laughs> Thanks, Kimby. Six and a half away from nine, pacing for purpose after this on Baz and Dizzy for breakfast. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SCNZ. SCNZ, it is ooh, coming up to 9am this morning. We're going through till 10. Bring it on. It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Ah, if there's one thing I love more than a first season, a debut season, it's the renewal. And tomorrow night, boys, we're taking it all the way to the bank, a huge night at Alex Park. And there was only one thing we could do here. You know how self-assured is our self-assured dream and going into the race, we're going to go and clean them all up at uh, Cambridge Raceway on... Easter Thursday. Well, he's racing tomorrow in race six in the Lincoln Farms, the Founders Cup mobile pace. It's a group three. And you know what? He is going to be our pacing for purpose tip this week with the Child Cancer Foundation, hrnz.co.nz, live the dream, harness racing New Zealand. Self-assured, race six, $2.10. Mark Purden, barrier Mm. seven. He can get near the lead or somewhere near it. He's going to turn the tables on on South Coast Arden at three bucks. Double your money. Mark Purden, get the word in, self-assured, pacing for purpose. Let's go. Beautiful, Louie. Look forward to watching that one. I won't tip it, okay? I won't back it. I'll leave that You can back you. it. He'll Come carry out. us both. <laughs> nice. I got our, we got our rugby league hour of power 2.0. Uncle Kempe, he's on a heater today. Looking forward to that. And Steve Price coming up. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We're coming up to our last hour, and it is the Rugby League Hour of Power 2.0, where Kempi, he's been on an 
hater all morning and now it's his time to really shine on the big stage we've got MP's hour coming up we're going to hear from Nathan uh, Brown on his audio about Cody Nikarima and then very very shortly we're going to chat to Steve Price but I'm going to read a text message quickly before we get off I hear you Kempi I lived in Dublin for four years and managed a big pub holding up to 600 packs no one drinks more than the <laughs> Irish and well I've been over in Ireland as well mate they drink a hell of a lot and St Paddy's Day is a big day. Now I know why we've got the day off tomorrow, mate. Because we're out there, aren't we? We're going to get our green on. And hey, You're not here tomorrow, is he? <laughs> nah, I'm got a meeting. You're going to India? I've got, <laughs> <laughs> got a meeting tomorrow, Louis, and Monday. I've got a meeting. Um, I'm going to uh, del- delve into Metaverse Mitch, and we're going to get some NFTs and uh, two benders. The Metaverse. Two and... two weekends of benders in a row. <laughs> well, are you taking your family on this adventure into the Metaverse? I told you, I'm not sharing any details of what's going on, but um, this this one this one was pre-planned ages ago, but last weekend's one was spontaneous, and I couldn't take it off. So, but it's all right, mate. I'll be back. I'll be back and ready to rip in. Uncle's going to uh, his tangi up in Taranaki, mate, and I'll be thinking of you all weekend, my brother. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. In the next big days when you spend with your family, I know it's a sad time for you, uh, but one thing when uh, my mum passed away, the the positive I took out of it, bro, is it it brings people together and it unites everyone, and that's a positive, mate, so... So there you go, brother. I look forward to keeping in touch with you over the weekend. But we've got Pricey on the line, mate. I'll throw it to you to introduce our next guest. Yeah, thanks for that, Dizzy. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, definitely going to enjoy catching up with everyone over the next couple of days and celebrating Paulie T's uh, life. Um, but we've got the big man on the phone now. man, when he retired, I think had the most caps for Queensland. Um, you'd love to throw a punch. He's a good fighter. Our, our mate Pricey, and uh, not only that, but when I coached the Warriors, uh, I made him my captain as well, and I'd like to welcome him, the big man in. He's back in Australia. Morning, Pricey, how are you? Good, mate, how are you? Oh, good, mate. Mate, you're in Campo together, mate. What's Have you not, has Joe not got you to sort that um, that voice box out yet? Yeah, I tried to, mate. They can't do anything about it, so <laughs> it's got to put up with it. <laughs> hey, mate, what are you hey, doing? Actually, Campo, Campo and I have done a couple of... Um, yeah, mate. What are you What are you up to these days? You're back over. You're back over in Queensland. You You obviously just finished your workout, heading out to work. What are you doing these days, mate? Uh, mate yeah, moved back to Sunshine Coast, and um, I'm doing my carpentry apprenticeship at the moment. So just actually doing the anniversary pretty much today. Four months. So just about to start my second year of my apprenticeship. Hey, awesome, mate. Are you oh, on the sunny coast? Yeah, that's so uh, John, you, you you know, obviously John Timu, I think he did the same thing too when he retired from Canterbury, went back in, down to Otago and did his um his apprenticeship. Mate, let's get back, let's get right into it. The footy, what do you take? First game, the Warriors, what's your, what's your feedback on them? Yeah, I thought, I thought there were some really good signs. Um, you know, they just had those few little lapses at different times that... Um, you know, um, St George was sort of able to not get easy tries, but they were sort of softer tries that you sort of go, wow, if you're able to be able to stop those, 
Um, you know, completely different game. So, you know, the young team, um, really disappointing about Sean getting injured. I thought that was going to be a key for the Warriors this year. And he was sort of looking pretty good too. And I thought the, the more that he could play, you know, week in and week out with all those young boys, the, the better they were going to be now. Obviously, I think it's Reese playing this week. Um, so, yep. you know, that's that's obviously going to be good. Bad that Sean's out, but good that Reese is in. And, um, it's always been one of the things for the Warriors, mate. You know, when I was there playing, the more you could have your, your sort of best squad on the field playing together, the more success you had because the boys, you know, we get some consistency. Hey, Steve, it says you here, mate. Great to have you on the show. Um, just the other day, we spoke to Richie Blackmore uh, about the identity of the Warriors. And you would have, uh, you know, you would have felt it when you were there. Their ability to break open a game and play a brand of rugby league that, that no one else can match. Do you feel as of late they've kind of lost that and they've gone away and got too structured in the way they're able to play? And how do how does Nathan Brown unlock the Warriors' identity? Oh, I think, um, you know, even when, when I was there, uh, the type of player that we had was very different to probably the one that you're talking about. Oh, you know, you, the Australian commentators used to always talk about the razzle-dazzle of the Warriors. and um, we, we could certainly play some, some amazing attacking footy, but, you know, the Ali La Titis and all these type of guys were absolutely outstanding, and, and they did um, play like the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, the Warriors aren't like that now, and, and they don't have the players that are like that. So, you know... I, they always sort of say the Warriors are a big forward pack and they're so athletic and razzle-dazzle and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, even when I was there, our forward pack wasn't wasn't the biggest forward pack in the NRL. And I think it's just this sort of perception that, you know, people had from those those days when Ali and all those guys were here. Um, and the Warriors, they just got to play their footy, mate. You know, Nathan Brown, mm. he's trying to get a, a type of footy. He's, he's recruited. Um, a style of player in different positions that he thinks is going to be very competitive and, and obviously get the Warriors to where they need to be. Um, unfortunately, those sort of key players have, have had injuries and haven't been able to have them on the field as much as you'd like. Pricey, in, that, in those key players and those key positions, do you think the Warriors are lacking a, a, a really, really good um, dummy half, a good hooker, uh, such as you played with Cam Smith in the Queensland side? Oh, I think I think there's a lot of clubs in the NRL that would love, you know, love to have uh, Harry Grant or someone like that. There's, there's, and this isn't disrespecting any hookers out there, but there's, there's no, there's not many around, um, you know, like a Cameron Smith who can just open up a game and have that speed out of dummy half and can continually engage, you know, the tight forwards um, and can see opportunities up a blind side or, you know, hit that hit the, the playmaker at the right time or hit a you know, a skillful forward. Um, the Warriors do have some outstanding players, you know, right across the field. Um, I think it's more more so whatever players you've got, and Tempe, you've been a coach, is, is being able to, you know, bring the best out in them and what you're trying to do as a, as a footy team. Um, at the end of the day, you've got guys like Reese Walsh, you know, Sean Johnson. So the big boys need to do their job, you know, to get that momentum through the middle. And... It starts at nine because in nine, you know, the nine we had Georgie Gaddis and Nathan Fiend and I think um, a couple of years there, our, our middle forwards scored 20 tries between us because, you know, we're, we're always a threat through the middle. 
Um, so that made you know guys like Money Vatavai scoring 28 tries as well because if they're worrying about us in the middle, you know Money had no one out, out on the edge either. So I think that's one of the keys is just to mm. try and be a threat throughout the middle. What about the? So you're obviously living on the Sun Sunshine Coast. We got Ash Taylor coming in, uh, Queensland boy coming in to play seven. Is there? A, what can we expect from from young Ash? He's only 26 years of age. And he's uh, fighting for his career. Are we expecting big things from him, Steve? Yeah, mate. Seeing, you know, as you know, there's been plenty of guys who have come through and shown outstanding, you know, glimpses when they're young of what they can potentially be and potentially sort of mm. an ugly word, like you, you haven't done it consistently. So this is Ash's challenge yeah. and he's got a great opportunity. Um, you know, he's got a really big forward pack around him. Some outside, outstanding sort of outside backs, you know, Rocco Berry, these sort of kids. Um, Reese Walsh, so you know it's, it's his opportunity to make his mark, and, and he's just got to be, you know, building that. He doesn't have to come out and try and brain in the first week. Um, you know, defensively be strong, and then run the, run the team around the park. You know, that's I think what Sean was doing pretty good last week. Uh, went to the game, and and I sort of saw, you know, his communication was really really good, and I think um, Ash has got that in him, but I'm not sure whether he's actually, you know done that week in, week out. And Sean didn't either at the start, you know. Like, he's only sort of started to do it the last three or four years, and that's just experience. Hey, Pricey, you've got a pretty good um, progeny. You know, I don't know if a lot of people know um, you're married to Brent Tate's uh, sister and in herself a really, really lovely woman. Um, Jamie Lee, mate, you know, had to had to uh, choose between New Zealand and Australia and obviously runs around for the Australian nipple team and, Riley, your boy, uh, has he still got the contract with Queensland? How are those two going? Yeah, mate, uh, Jamie's just um, got announced uh, vice-captain at the Giants, so she's been there since she left the Magic. Um, I don't know, was that sort of 2016-17, I think? Um, and, you know, doing really well with kids. She's just been out of the UK for that um, four nations they had. Leading into hopefully Com Games this year, um, so big season for her. And then um, Riley, he's just up at uh, Townsville. Um, he's on a development contract with the Cowboys, so he um, sort of had his first NRL trial uh, a couple of weeks ago and absolutely loved it. So he's he's sort of, as you know, can be like, and, and is he like just working his way through to try and uh, live his dream? So loving it up there, and, and he's uh, mate around the corner from his uncle Brent, so. He sort of keeps him on his, you know, on level, level-headed, and um, he's starting to get bigger and bigger, big roles. Like all of our kids, can't you? They sort of um, want, want, want to let you know too that he's getting bigger. So he still hasn't, still hasn't been able to chuck me out yet, um, but one day he will, very soon. Yeah, beautiful, love that. Hey, tell us about the dynamics on the work site, mate, on the building site. Because let's be honest, if I'm the fully qualified tradesman here and I'm trying to tell Steve Price to go get their ruler or go get their, their hammer over there um, I'd be absolutely shitting myself so tell me about the dynamics mate come on <laughs> no it's pretty uh, it's pretty funny we've got a young boy who plays rugby here on the sunny coast Big Harry he's um, 19 and he's third year so he's my boss um, and doesn't mind telling me either. Uh, <laughs> loves telling his mates that, um, you know, I'm his gopher. And, yeah, no, it's pretty good, mate. Um, a lot of fun and obviously uh, hard work, which, you know, is good. Good to get the body going again and um, getting back on it and learning, learning plenty all the time. So, 
Uh, going to be digging a bit today, mate. We've got some footings and bloody uh, trenches to be done today, so um, didn't go to the gym oh. this morning because I know I know it's going to be a tough day. Hey, Pricey, that's awesome because I know you don't like taking um, advice too too easily. Um, but just it'd be remiss it'd be remiss of me not to ask because there'd be a lot of listeners out there that would would go back to that um, that time down in your thirty. Yeah, um, thirty yard line Queensland, and you and you shaped up to Brett White. Just, just take us through the actions, mate. What actually happened that night? Um, yeah, I can't remember much, obviously, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, last last minute of uh, State of Origin three, I think, uh, two thousand and nine. Uh, we won the first two games, uh, trying to get a clean sweep. We had a few boys that weren't you know, best prepared for that game, got to be a little bit uh, comfortable and um, we weren't going too good in the game. I think we were down by about 12 with a minute to go and I just tackled Brett with Cameron Smith um, and I got up and then he punched me in the mouth and I sort of said, well, what'd you do that for, Brett? And he goes, because you need me in the head, Steve. And I said, well, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. And then he went to me again and I was like, oh, shit, what do I do? So um, I've always sort of copped it on the chin, never fought, you know, never had a fight and, um, yeah, this time I don't know why, but this time I thought, nah, just after you, Brett, I'm going to stick up for myself. So, um, yeah, it probably lasted, I don't know, what, 10 seconds, which is a long time for a fight on a footy field. Um, and, yeah, I ended up um, snoring. So, um, probably the worst the worst part of it, mate, like, you know, it's sort of, you look back on it now and have a little bit of a chuckle, but it's disappointing from my perspective because it wasn't part of the game. Mm. And that was my last Origin moment, you know. Like, so you play 28 yeah. Origin games, and you know, too, you like you played so many, you know, Test matches, and there's so many things that vary, you know, from your first game through to your last game. And mm. Um, mm. we won that series, and I didn't get to celebrate it because I'm sitting on the table with, you know, Kevin Rudd. Well, um, well seen, you know, mate. You know, I was real sort of rolling around. So um, that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned is just to be yourself and you know I sort of just caught the, the split lip and then you know mm. just sort of said during your lunatic and, and moved on but yeah for some reason two little blokes on the shoulder the one that sort of hasn't stuck up for himself his whole life decided to and now I know why he shouldn't have <laughs> but, um, yeah you got to learn the hard way sometimes mate <laughs> they tell me yeah, you can actually fight again so I didn't realise that until after it <laughs> It's the ones that you least expect that give you a hell of a surprise. Tell me about it. I'm like you, mate. I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fight, I'll tell you that. Um, quickly, before we let you go, before we let you go, Bulldogs, they're making the eight? Of course. <laughs> so, mate, you know, what, what they have done well is they've, they've fought well. Uh, but they're like what we were just talking about. You know, um, the nine Jezza, he's a really good kid and he can, you know, he's a good player, but he's not that elite hooker and, um, and the sort of half-back position is, is a little bit, you know, they don't have someone mm. to take control of the team, you know, which I think Matty Burton needs. So that's going to be their sort of struggle. They've got um, um, Reid Marty going there next year, which is good. But, um, yeah, for this year, that's going to be the biggest challenge, mate. And I thought that was what their problem was mm. against the Cowboys. They just didn't have that sort of direction and, and that real threat in the middle. Um, when you've got sort of some of the flaws that the Bulldogs have, um, you know, having a really outstanding night is, is key, as well as a half-day who can, mm. you know, push you around the park. So, 
yeah, it's, it's it's a big job for Trent. You know, he's got the players now, so now it comes down to his coaching mm. and um, oh, you know, interesting. We'll celebrate. One from one. We'll Started well, but Started well, yeah. <laughs> Top of the table class this week. Broncos Bulldogs. Hey, mate! Big shout out! Big shout out to you coming on the uh, on the Sins Breakfast this morning with uh, me, Louis, and, and Izzy, and say uh, say hi to Joe and the kids. Um, good to talk, mate. We'll stay in touch during the year. Enjoy being told what to do from a 19-year-old. I know how hard that is, Bryce. Just take some deep breaths. Um, and thanks and thanks a lot for showing us, um, sharing with us your yellow, uh, we call it yellow ribbon boxing matches down here when we used to like watching blokes fight, but um, your moment in State of Origin. Mate, I, I don't remember you for that. I remember you for being the champion that you are, the 28 games in Origin that you yeah, played. Yeah, and absolutely. The amount, the amount of times you played for Aussie and being the, um, the captain that you deserve to be for the Warriors. So uh, thanks a lot for coming in this morning. Yep. Talk soon. Too easy, mate. Too easy. Cheers, Pricey. What a legend. How good. Oh, Absolute legend. Man, mate. Yeah, because like, he spoke about that moment. That doesn't define me. You're right, Kempe. Like He's played 300 games in the NRL. You know, he's reason, one of the reasons why women watch the Bulldogs play. And he was a meter eater, mate. That's, those are the grafters you need. You know, the McCalls, the the... The guys that just, just graft, make tackles, and get your metres, get your game line, and he was one of those. Wasn't your flashy guy, but just ran straight and hard. And you can tell by his voice. Wow, wait. Yeah, mate. But that's why how they all lose their voices, eh? Mate, Darren Lockyer, Campo, and Pricey having a conversation together on the Queensland side, but it'd be terrible. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing that, that goes that goes <laughs> by the side about Pricey. If you want to teach kids how to put pressure on a kicker, like kick pressure, so he played in yeah. the middle. He carried the ball the most. He he was always involved in defence. But if you look at his, um, I guess his reel about his game, the best part of his game was his kick pressure, mate. He yeah, just absolutely. never let the kickers have a free kick. Yeah, bang on, Kempe. He was nuanced football, and it wasn't just that big tough guy in the middle or the meter at he right. And he, and he understood the game, and he taught that, and he kind of set up that Warriors generation for a long time in that team. Awesome to catch up with Steve Price. 22 minutes past nine. We're here with the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. After this, we're going to hear from Nathan Brown in our Rugby League Hour of Power. Double eight, double three. You know it. The Temper Bedpost Text Machine. Or 0800 150 811, the Kennard Tire phone line. Get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. What do you want to know about this round of NRL? Steve Price, where does he sit on your pantheon of great warriors? Get in touch. Back in a minute. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. SENZ is 27 and a bit past 9am this morning. League, rugby league hour of power, and we are powerful. It's all about the leg drive. At the moment, that wrestling technique, Kempi's been trying it on on um, Kieran during the break. I was actually a bit worried for Kieran. No Joe this week, so poor Kez and Jacob are copping it from Kempi. It's um yeah, can be quite tense in here. Just line him up, son. Just keep lining him up. Hey, uh, yesterday <laughs> and the day before, we were talking about Nathan Brown and and just I guess the I mean I call it tricky. He's got a tricky spot with his halves and fullbacks and where he's playing his spine, and they're all kind of half out of position. And Cody Nickareem is right at the centre. Of that, and he's trying to fit them all in. Um, he's had to rejuggle the side this week because of Walsh coming back. This is what Nathan Brown said about that, and we'll get Kempe's reaction on the back of it. Whilst we're not looking to change, I think everyone acknowledged that if I didn't pick Reese, sure, you likes to be up in arms at me, wouldn't you? So, 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 you know, the 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 Sean one was forced because he's injured, and and the Chanel and Katie one come down to decision because Reese come back from injury. If Reese didn't come back from injury, we may not have had a decision to make. So. 
you know, if, uh, if Reese was fit for round one, the team may have been very, very different, you know, but it's probably, you know, it's honestly, it's more to do with injury and then Reese coming back and we felt the channel deserved to be in the team. That's also, that's pretty much how it come down to, you know, that one become a decision because of Reese coming back. Yeah. So if Reese didn't come back, we'd have left it as it was. I, I actually thought Reese was coming back from suspension, not injury. Um, so I might have, I don't know, yes. I don't know what um, Brownie was doing there, but a great deflection about the question around Cody Nakarima because he didn't answer it. Mm. You know, yeah. the, 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 he, he should, which I like, I like Brownie for that. I actually get on quite well with Brownie, um, but a great deflection. The question was, why isn't Nakarima playing? So he didn't talk about form, he didn't talk about his positional play, he didn't talk about his kicking game, he didn't talk that he didn't carry the ball enough and he didn't get involved in the game. Um, and sort of, you know, read the article saying that um, Chanel was was a better player on the day and that's why I kept them in the side. Like, you've got the whole off-season to pick your seven and your six, okay? And you've got Sean Johnson, he's wrapped up the seven, you've got Ch- Chanel and Cody fighting it out for six and Ash Taylor. Haven't you? So you can't say because of injury after week one, when you know that Reese Walsh, I thought it was through suspension, was coming back anyway, is the reason why Cody's missed out on the side because you've actually picked them over a long period of time of training and the one trial that they played to get in that number six jersey. What I would really have liked to hear Brownie say, and I think this is where that transparency needs to happen in some coaches, some of them get a little bit cute these days, um, is actually tell the truth and just say he's not up to it. Here's, here's the reason why he's not up to it and put it just... But you've got to give the people who are watching the game the respect that they deserve. It's like when I talk to you, Louis, about horse racing. I ain't going to talk to you about horse racing um, in, in the capacity to not to respect what you've got to say because you, you actually know a shitload more than what a lot of people do, you know. So mm. um, I think people, you know, it's like Izzy made a point today. He, was, he said, you know, there's this guy down here in, when I was growing up down in Hawke's Bay and he was a really, really good touch player. Now, if you were on a recruitment drive, you would go to blokes like Izzy that live in the Hawke's Bay, blokes like Izzy that live down, um, down in Canterbury and, and say, mate, keep your eyes open for me. You know, I know you can spot talent. And I think when you're talking to people, Joe Public, and these days especially, a lot of the public actually know that that they they know the answer and they actually want you to hear it. So when you deflect it like what he just did then and said, well, this was really about Reese Walsh coming back, it's not. Yeah, Izzy, we'll come to you on the other side of the news on this. Um, of course, yep. like, like you can't always get, and, and to be fair, and in fairness, I always want to say this, like when you're pulling out a 39-second audio grab, there's a whole lot of context is there as well. And I know what you're saying, Kempe, he's kind of made it sound like it was inevitable because of different injuries and different suspensions and kind of hasn't really said that this is what his opinion was. I know what you're saying, but just to be fair to Nathan Brown as well, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than that one 39-second grab in a press conference. We'll grab your, your thoughts on the other side of this, Izzy, and you can ask Kempe any question you like. Here is Araha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. SCNZ, yeah, Cricket World Cup, Women's Cricket World Cup today, live and free here on SCNZ, ball-to-ball coverage, ah, can't wait for that, a massive game for the White Ferns, win and you're in, yes, got to keep winning, Amy Satterthwaite was awesome yesterday when we spoke to her, right now in the Premier League, it's nil all, Arsenal-Liverpool, this is a huge game, 
19 minutes through and the 20th minute there, nil all. Tottenham's gone up 1-0 against Brighton at half-time. Talking rugby league and the rugby league hour of power. Izzy, you just heard Kempi wax lyrical there about Brownie's mm. comments on Cody Nikarim. What were your thoughts, man? Uh, look, I was listening to um, what, uh, Kempi talk about um, Brownie and, and thing. I think from the outside looking in, uh, it's not going to achieve much if he comes out and absolutely sprays it and says he's hopeless and, and kind of degrades him because I think the public generally already knows that he's lost his position because he's not playing well, his, his form is poor. It's not a great look if the coach comes out and, and does it. The uh, only reason I'm doing this was because my um, experience uh, of this is a couple of years ago I was getting pumped, I was getting hammered by Richard Nola in the papers. Every article was horrible about me and I kind of already knew I was playing horrible. I don't need that reinforcement. And... Um, and I'll never forget this this moment, but Steve Hansen goes into this media conference and Richard Nola starts asking questions and then Steve just absolutely pumps him, like pumps him right between the nostrils and just gets <laughs> right into him, into this, in this media outfit and just berates him. And then he comes and sees me and I, he tells me, he sits down and he's like, oh, I just had a quick word to blah, blah. And, and uh, I, I seen what was happening, you know, you can hammered, hammered. And I was like sitting back going, okay. So I kind of grew my respect because for, for me, uh, you want your coach to have your back, but when the going gets tough, you want him to out you, you know, tell you how this is, you're representing this team, do that behind closed doors and, and around your peers, and that's where it should be all done, all those hard questions. When he's out in the, in the public and everyone else is berating you, that's fine, everyone has an opinion, but you want someone there that, that's got your back, that's your leader, that's your coach to kind of um, to, to be there for you. I know... That's probably the opposite to what you're saying, Kempi. But for me, from my experiences, I think um, him coming out and, and absolutely ruining that kid's confidence on the big stage is probably not ideal where he's going to get ruined 100% in the background, um, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I do. look, I do. I, I'm, I'm not saying that um, he should come out and really berate uh, a player's mm. performance, but he should be able to articulate the, the reasoning yeah. around why... Um, we've gone to just say he's not better. He's well, not bas- well so you know, like if he, basically, if he came in, he says, "Look, he's not taking the ball forward across the advantage line like mm. what I want them to do in our structures and our offense." And I'm looking for yeah. someone to do that. I want someone with a left foot on that left hand side of the pitch to make sure we take the advantage with the kicking. Um, and I needed someone really solid in defence because we, they went to our edges on the weekend, and Sean was pretty average, and so yeah. was Cody because they picked both our halfbacks out. That's why I've gone to channel. You see what I mean? That's not yeah. that's not yeah. berating him. That's that's giving the public a reason and an understanding mm. of why he selected him. I, I I hear you, Kempe, but I actually listening to Izzy. You make a lot of sense there, mate. And I think it's more nuanced than that. And I actually think after week one, he's done the right thing there upon reflection. I think he's. I'm, mm. well, I, I don't. I, I, don't I, I have to, I think I have to it, disagree because I think he, I yeah. think he's pushed the panic button because in week one everyone knows that you don't change your halves around. Even if you do lose one, you don't make two changes. And obviously, I defer to you here, but. Just just now just hearing both sides of that and just, just kind of thinking about it. I mean, what good... Cody's already going to be carrying the bottles. Like, what good is it for him? I'm sure these conversations are going on behind closed doors. And, and is he, the best point is he made is the public knows Cody's not playing well. We know. Is we, I mean, we watch enough rugby league to know when a player's in a bit of a form, right? Just like when Izzy, when you were battling and Nola was getting stuck into you. I mean, we could tell your confidence was down. <laughs> like, you know, you, and, and as a Crusaders fan, it really hurt to see him getting stuck. And I remember the exact period of time you're talking about. It was like, just get off him, yeah. mate. Like, move on. We, we get it. 
And then it's kind of like, well, you're a hypocrite, Louis, because you get the boots stuck in athletes on other occasions. And <laughs> I guess the real extreme version of this is Doc Rivers at the end of that series against Atlanta and Philadelphia asked if Ben Simmons can be a championship winning point guard. And he goes after they've lost the series and he's honest and true to his word. And he just looks down the barrel and he goes, I honestly don't know. And what does that do to Ben Simmons? sends him into a tailspin, a mental health spiral where he doesn't even want to suit up or come to practice, completely derails mm. their season and forces the trade. That's an extreme end of it, but you probably have to be quite tactful with this stuff. Yeah, look, I, look, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. You do have to be tactful with it because um, players are a lot more vulnerable these days around vulnerability and and yeah. their mental space. So, you know, we, d- we didn't see... We didn't have phones to look at every day and read every comment that every journalist in the world's writing about you. You know, you're lucky. Mm. You're lucky if you could afford six cents to buy a paper. So, you know, these these <laughs> these days these days they're car- these days are carrying around a, a TV in their hand and it's got every media person on the world talking to them in Twitter. Hey, <laughs> Louis, Twitter, and, yeah, and Stephen Hunt and Instagramming me. and whatever. So, look, I, I get you. I under- I understand exactly what yeah. what is he saying. I get you. No, I love it. I love I love your passion, Kempi. I just said for for Brownie, he's done it smart there because let's be honest, he's gonna need Cody. He's gonna need Cody Nikarima to come out and put on a performance oh, of for him. Is. If he goes out and does that, he's gonna remember that and he's gonna go, Why should I play for this prick? You know? Oh, so it's kinda he's playing a smart he's playing the smart game here. And and the and the easiest thing to do here is go out and win. Like it fixes the problem mm. overnight. Oh, the best yeah. thing you can do, you no, know, literally, is winning. I tell you, I tell you what I love, boys. I love it when we all just slightly disagree, and we don't just pick up the phone like Gus Gold and we call each other beautiful. It's nice. Um, there's a good text here from Kevin. <laughs> Kimpy is a straight, such a straight shooting guy and speaks with a lot of knowledge. Nikarima is the best stepping player in the team. Goes off both feet, but not getting the license to run. But 18th man, really, let him run, Brownie. I'm sure he'll get another chance. Kevin from Titarangi, I'm certain he'll get another chance. Appreciate your passion on double eight, double three. We're going to head off. We're going to come back with an edition of Country Clueless. Let's check in with the Dagger State and find out what's going on with those fire alarms. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. It's 20 to 10. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ, it is quarter to 10 this morning. We're going through to 10 doing the extra hour and we're absolutely loving it because it gives us an opportunity to do this. <laughs> Baz and Izzy are country clueless. Despite the best efforts of HydroFlow, your plumbing, rural and irrigation product supplier. Yeah, HydroFlow are doing their best, and so is Daggy. How you going? Oh, it's meant to. It's meant to be, mate. Irrigation. Well, this is country clueless at its best, considering I've had an irrigation nightmare. Uh, so, little situation, Louis. A little situation I've got myself into, mate. You want to hear it? Yeah, you go. The floor's yours, mate. I live in Parnell. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I, I saw you. I saw you put your hand up, little finger up. I thought you were ready to come in. Ah, so. So what's happened, mate? I've got a I've got a pump. So our house, our whole water system's run off this uh, big pump. Anyway, so it's been outside. It's been outside in, in the elements, undercover. Obviously, I've put my wheelbarrow over top of it to keep it covered from the from the weather. Obviously, it can get wet, but you don't want it to, to weather in the, in the weather. So anyway, I've um, I've had to put I've built my pole shed, and it's got all the slates around the side, all the all the iron, all the sheets of 
of um, you know sheets of metal going around the side to keep it all all dry and, and uh, keep the rain out of it. Anyway, so I've had to bring this pump inside. So what I've done, I've gone my neighbours, I've got this little drill. So I've drilled holes into the sheet. Um, but before I measured it and, and kind of figured out how the concussion on the pipes kind of work, Good I've drilled two holes and um, I've put these pipes and these holes in the wrong place. So I've tried to reconnect this pump once I've brought it back into the shed and it's in the wrong place. And I'm like, what am I doing? Anyway, my neighbour comes over. He's like, mate, what are you doing? And I said, what? And he goes, you've got to go get an elbow. So what I've done is, if you know irrigation pipe, it's quite thick, and it's and you can't really manoeuvre it really well. So I've tried to bring it through this hole and then bend, bend it, it around. <laughs> That's why it's called an right elbow. Degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why it's called an elbow. Bend mate. it around. Well, I, I didn't know. That's why Hydroflow are going to come and help me with this. Anyway, so I've tried to bend it around this like 90 degree angle to get it to where this pump is. And it hasn't worked. And my neighbours told me, bro, you got to go get an elbow. Anyway, go get this elbow, come through. And what I've done is I've put like four holes in this sheet. It is the most horrible thing. I'll take a photo to you. I'll put it up on Instagram, on our Twitter page to show you what I'm talking about. But so I've put this pump inside. Now I've got four holes where you only nearly, really needed one. And I've got to get a, go get a whole new sheet of... Um, of uh, shed metal to, to replace this one and put flashings up. So, yeah, I've had a bit of a debacle there, mate, with, with the whole situation. I try to do it by myself because my wife's like, you're not handy. I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> oh, no. not the ego. wrong and do this. Not the male ego. <laughs> the, ego took a, the ego took a dent like Nola did back in the day, and I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong, you prick. So I went and got it and did the job. <laughs> it's just a real hoary job at the moment. I put, I'll send you a photo. <laughs> Hydroflow have been supplying New Zealand made Apex and Anchor trough valves and fittings for over 25 years. It sounds like at this stage they're the only ones that can help Daggy here. Thank you for your transparency, Azir. Look, look, there's plenty of us that aren't handy out there, and all I can say is from one Parnell city slicker to an Ahoka farmer, cow farmer, (laughs) thank you for your honesty, mate. Actually, Kimpy, you're moving up to Kitty Kitty. You could probably get in on this. Well, if you if you want some <laughs> want, want some of those stories from way back, but yeah, no, man, I've done my lifestyle. Um, you know, is he what, what's is he's be close to fifty now, so he's probably got a couple of years <laughs> left left in him to do that lifestyle <laughs> stuff before he goes and moves back into Parnell and the city slickers. Thirty three, thirty three, uncle. Come on, bro. Oh, so, sorry. Do you mate. know the worst thing about this? Do you know the worst thing about this is Daisy's dad. He is. So handy, it's really embarrassing, and I've got to figure out how I'm going to try and fix this before he comes. Because if he comes, here, he's going to have a heart attack. Heart attack. He's OCD <laughs> as they come, mate. Like he's a perfectionist. He's going to see this job and go, "What?" I guess. I guess what you've got going for you is since you crashed that tractor into the power pole, nothing will ever be <laughs> as much of a shock to him. <laughs> Nothing will ever be a shock to me, mate. Don't bring that story out. That's my At least you're having a crack, is he? That's what I, that's what I like about it. I love it. it. I love know? it. Just, I'm going to go yeah. out there. I've got a lifestyle block. Um, I've got cows, not cattle. And I'm trying to put water out there in a trough for them. I don't know how to 
hook the pipes up. Yeah. You know, I'll give it a go. At least you're giving it a go. Just, what would you say the other week? Oh, the electric fence isn't working. That cow's come out of it. It's too low. <laughs> oh, I just love it that someone was convinced that cows could smell power and were still yet to, or they could smell energy and, and they knew that Daggy had left his electric fence off. Have you, um, have you decided whether, uh, what rugby club your boy's going to you? Is that, is that, um, cause it's rugby. you want to hear the worst thing about this? Oh. I'm up in rules, mate. I'm up in rules with this. I can't understand Daisy's done this to me. She signed the. She signed a contract. Has she what? She's put, enrolled him into like, like I don't know, like <laughs> the worst Christchurch club already. Good yeah, on me. What? Christchurch rugby club. She signed them up. So there's Matt Todd, Cody Taylor, um, like all uh, the White Locks. Everyone's going to Christchurch club, and they've signed Alo up, and they're going to play Ripper rugby. And she told me that day. I say, what? You've done this without even telling me. She's You're, like, yeah, and and the Todds. And Todd's already created a team, so he's going to go play there. I said, well, he's not going to be a part of Christchurch Rugby Club, i tell you that. I'm picking this. That's like, that's like taking my golf clubs and without even asking, like, don't do it. Wow. Shot, Daisy. No, I'm, I'm with Isn't Izzy. Isn't that bad? Is that bad? Oh, oh, double A, double three. I mean, we've got seven minutes on air. I feel like we could probably – I feel like you've had something robbed of you. Yeah, that's that's my manlyhood, mate. Like that's a decision a father makes. And Where's the, my son going to go play? And she's come home and said, "Oh, he signed up at Crosshurst Rugby Club. He's going to play Riff Rugby next week." Oh, and in town as well. What in town? Not in the country, Canterbury Country. I feel oh, I'm with you, Daggy. That's um that's heartbreaking mm. to him. Oh, we'll, we'll have to follow that one up on Tuesday. No doubt that's what your four week four day weekend summit is up in uh, wherever <laughs> you're going, mate. You're locking in to work through Stop that one. Asking. For details, mate. You're I'm not getting any. I, I don't want any. It's <laughs> seven away from ten. We're going to catch up with Sammy Hewitt, who takes us through the next four hours before the cricket air on SCNZ. Oh, I can't wait young for the Rebs, Young Rebs coming in. Rabbits. I wonder if he's played, the if he's played that footage from Saturday. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.